Blog Talk Radio. Firefly Willows L.I.V.E. presents The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, featuring your hosts, Heisey Luckmers and Charlie Harrington. The Amethyst Oracle. Delves into life, death, and everything betwixt between and beyond. Between and beyond. Between and beyond. With a clear twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. And now, here are your hosts, Charlie Harrington and Heisey Wittenberg. Welcome to the show. My name is Hi C. Thank you for listening once again. And as usual for this show, I am joined by my hearty and well-fed co-host Charlie Harrington. Are well you there, Charlie? Fed. I I'm apparently <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I, I'm doing okay on the Fed. I just start, uh, signed up for Weight Watchers, and I have 12 points left for the evening, and I can't decide just how to spend them. The nice thing is for people that listen to this show, there Uh is no limit to how much we can feed their soul with the tarot. That's right. Or feed (laughs) on their souls is my plan. But I just haven't figured out how to uh, program souls into the Weight Watchers app. So stay tuned for that one. You know how many That's what I I mean, is it if they like if they do yoga, is it more? Like I don't know. It's something to think about. (laughs) How have you been, I see? I have been well, um, and just a moment of housekeeping, I will remind people that, A, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. We're happy to have you like the page as well as offer any feedback, questions, or comments that you have. And if you're interested in getting a reading during the show a little bit later, you can Skype in from the show page or you can call 646 716-5510 in order to get into the queue and that will give you your chance to get a reading from myself and the most esteemed Charlie Harrington. That's me. Yes, that is you, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you've been reading well, I, interesting locales of late, I'm told. Well, it is true, I must tell you. Last Friday, so the whole weekend... Um, there is this event in San Jose, California, that is put on by Kirk Hammett, who is the lead guitarist for the band Metallica. And apparently he is a big horror buff, um, H-O-R-R-O-R. Yes, just wanted to mm. clarify there. Clarify that, yes. Uh, and is really into, I think, especially like old horror movies, and he has an extensive collection of memorabilia and all of that. So last year he created something called the Fear Festival. Isn't that clever? Um, And it brings together uh, music people as well as people from the realm of the horror genre, uh, for a weekend of 
undead frivolity. I don't know. And so this weekend that just passed was the second year, and it even though the event technically is Saturday and Sunday, this year they decided to do a, a VIP kickoff party at the Winchester Mystery House, mm-hmm. which you know is a, a fun little setting because it's the, the house where, I forget what her first name was, Lady Winchester, Mrs. Winchester. <laughs> Winchester. <laughs> uh, who who was, you know, heir to the Winchester gun fortune, but was also a bit, well, let's just say she was curious Cute. as to how the universe was. Um, and when you visit her house, it's very interesting because she, she was told by psychics that if she ever stopped building on the house that she would die and so you know there's staircases that go to nowhere and doors and all sorts of stuff it's it's very interesting so they used this as the setting for this VIP party and uh myself and one other person they had brought in to do readings as part of this party so it was very fun it was a cool setting you know <coughs> oh sorry and um, the the whole evening was actually organized. There was a dinner, but it was organized as a whole murder mystery dinner. So uh-huh. the 200 and some guests or so got tours of the house. There was a cocktail reception, but there was also one of those murder mysteries going on. Um, and here's a, an interesting Tarot connection is the way that they just um, divided everyone up was by the major arcana. So you were in like the judgment group or the justice group or the temperance group. Each each group was given a tarot card and that's also how they named the tables for dinner. You went and found your table. There there's the temperance table. There's oh, I don't no, know who the had temperance to, table. <laughs> who had to sit at the death table, I don't know, but mm. <laughs> yeah, does the temperance table mean you can't quite enjoy yourself fully? You have to be <laughs> more moderate. I want another drink, but I can't because I'm temperance. Um, so it was a very fun event. And uh, there were, you know, people from a couple of rock bands. I admit that I did not quite recognize who they were. I, I knew one of the people was Slash from Guns N' Roses. I knew who that was. Um, but apparently there was three or four others. Plus, they also had the daughter of Boris Karloff there and the grandson of Lon Chaney. Um, and somebody else that was related to one of the old actors in the horror movies. Um, so it was a, a fun and interesting little event, you know, to be a part of. Just yeah, thought it That would be a great atmosphere to read in. Did you tell anyone yeah. that they had to keep building on their house or they would die? <laughs> <laughs> apparently if you do that, you create a national landmark. <laughs> That's right. I'm like, I hope you took lessons from what you learned on this tour because you need to go back and apply them. And and in your world, how are things? Life is good. I just started, um, if you ever go to Eclectic Tarot Forum at tarotforum.net, I just, um, I've always been wanting to do a tarot book club. Um, but getting tarot readers to finish a tarot book can be hard sometimes. So <laughs> I've started one on, a book club on There, in their tarot books and media forum, our first book that we're reading is uh, Holistic Tarot by Benable Wen, which came out this year. So I figured picking a new Uh, book would get everyone... Isn't that a gigantic book? Yeah. So if you're planning a tarot book club, um, (laughs) I decided to break it out like three chapters per like week and... We're going to be doing this for a while. <laughs> I think we might have to reevaluate it. Somewhere. It's 847 pages, but it's very good. 
and they go quickly, uh, I will say. But um, it starts off, we'll start discussing on, on April 27th. So if you want to join in the fun, tarotforum.net, tarot books and media uh, forum, and then just look for the book club. Uh, our next one, if, if that one undertaking is a bit much, will be um, uh, Marseille Tarot Reading or Towards the Art of, no, Marseille Towards the Art of Reading, uh, one of those. So I've never read with Marseille. Uh, to my satisfaction, I've tried it and I've done little things, but I'm interested in seeing what that author has to say. So we'll start that up in the summer, I guess, or 2017, depending on when we finish Holistic Tarot. <laughs> well, and I will tell you the store where I do readings, the Sacred Well in Oakland. Um, a woman came in there one day and she saw that we had just gotten that book actually, and then it was on the shelf and she saw it and she brought it up. She's like, Oh, you know, she's asking about it and stuff. She's like, well, I was thinking of looking at it. Actually, the woman who wrote it is my cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. And so because her cousin had written that book, she now was interested in in learning Tarot to see what it was that she had. I'm sorry, I cut you off. No, no, that's fine. Go ahead. Then it was lovely. Uh, We had her on um, the other show I do, um, which is Tarot Visions. She came on and talked about her process and... Um, give it a listen. She had a really fun process for getting that thing published. (laughs) (laughs) How long did it take her to write that? Because it's so extensive. Not, um, she's one of those like really like good at life people, you know? And so she, she, um, she's a lawyer for a venture capitalist firm. So (laughs) she would go to more, go to go. I think she would go to the gym in the morning, go to work work a full day and then come home, eat dinner and then write until like three in the morning for every you know, I don't night. Need to hear about, a long I don't time. need to hear about people like that. That's all right. Save that story. <laughs> people were like have nice full lives and are like getting their, their passion projects done. But you know, hey. Uh no, it's very it's a very good book and I'm um, I'm enjoying it. So uh <laughs> I I can't imagine writing a book while working a full time job. <laughs> Well, I think many people do it. I'm just thinking, I'm like, if she said that it took her 10 years to write that because it's so involved, I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, I can see that. But I don't I don't need to hear story otherwise. I'm just going to pretend that's what you just said. That's, that's, right. that's what I heard you say. On, you know, on Pluto, which is That's right. Speaking of the stars, like my segue there. <laughs> yes. We had a doozy of a guest this week who... Uh, has been charting the heavens for a long time, and we got to talk to him a little bit about what the astrological weather is like for the next couple of months. Yes, actually for the next six months through the summer. Uh, And we also combined Tarot with that to use the Tarot to look at how to best navigate that weather, (laughs) whether whether we need to take an umbrella, depending on what the weather is going to be. We're insured. so I think that people will get a lot out of what they're going to hear, and hopefully they're ready to take some notes so that they can jot down some time periods, what's going on, what might be the best way to go about doing things during that. And we speak, of course, of our guest, Astro Barry. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, perhaps, because it's quite a bit of information to cover this evening, that maybe we will just go ahead and move into that interview after a little break. What say you, Charlie Harrington? I think that's a capital idea. Anytime we talk about astrology, it takes a while. 
So, just so much to cover. So, yes. All right. I'm game if you are. <laughs> I am too. So, I will remind you if you're listening, if you are interested in getting a reading a little later, uh, that you can Skype in from the show page or you can call 646 716 5510. And this is the Amethyst Oracle. I'm Hi C, my co host, Charlie Harrington. And coming up after the break will be our chat with astrologer Astro Berry, um, a bit about queer astrology, which is a field and a conference that he's involved with, and then also information about the upcoming six months that I'm sure you can put to use when making some plans for things. So stay tuned for that. We'll be back after this break with Astro Berry. Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. Joining Hi-C and Charlie on the Amethyst Oracle this month is astrologer Astro Berry, described as a poet wrapped in an oracle, wrapped in Woody Allen, and then wrapped in the stars. Astro Berry is an intuitive astrologer who has been counseling clients worldwide for more than a decade. He gave his first professional consultation in 1998 at a shop in New York City to make some extra money while in graduate school. In 2002, he left his job as general manager of a natural products company to start Astroberry LLC and to share his astrological wisdom on his website, astroberry.com, where thousands of visitors enjoy his weekly horoscopes that keep it real and other writings. Astroberry writes and consults with clients worldwide in addition to teaching workshops and classes about astrology. 
He is a member of the International Society of Astrological Research and has been featured in the New York Times, on the CBS Evening News, and Tech TV's Fresh Gear. Astroberry has spoken on queer astrology topics at the California Institute for Integral Studies, the National Council for Geocosmic Research 2013 Conference in Philadelphia, and the Queer Astrology Conferences in Northern California in 2013 and 2015. He holds a BA in English from Duke and a Master's in Interdisciplinary Humanities from NYU. He currently lives in San Francisco, California, and in addition to his astrology business, he is also the co-owner of The Sacred Well, a metaphysical shop in Oakland, California. Find out more about Astroberry and enjoy his weekly horoscopes by visiting his website at www.astroberry.com. So please join Charlie and Hi-C in welcoming to the Amethyst Oracle, Astroberry. And welcome to the Amethyst Oracle Astroberry. Thank you very much for being willing to join Charlie and I here tonight. It is a pleasure to welcome you. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to chit-chat with you guys. So maybe just to start off, you can just give people a little bit of insight into the kind of work you do, the kind of astrology that you work with, and the kind of services that you offer and how you use astrology. Sure. Um, I began my career as an astrologer back in 2002 when I started writing uh, weekly sun sign horoscopes. You know, most people, uh, when they're just getting started in astrology, oftentimes the first place they'll find astrology is through reading horoscopes. So I just decided to begin by writing horoscopes once a week, and probably for the first several months or a couple of years, probably very few people were reading my work. But over the course of time, having done this for many years on a week-in, week-out basis, I've built sort of a, a pretty loyal base of readers uh, from all over the world who will check out my work once a week. Um, I also uh, see clients regularly, both in person and over the phone. And people will book me for an hour session where we'll be looking at their birth chart, which is a map of where all the planets were at the time and place of their birth. That gives us an idea of the basic blueprint of the potentials of their personality, which, of course, is up to you to do something with or not, as the case may be. And we also look at where the planets are now and into the future, the angles they make to where they were in their chart to help them understand uh, easier opportunities and more challenging circumstances in different areas of life. Um, and I'm sure you won't be surprised to hear most clients come because they want to talk about either their career or their romantic life. So I'm, I'm very equipped uh, to talk to clients about both of those things from an astrological perspective. Um, and then over the course of time, as I've gotten more involved in the astrological community, I've also done some speaking at conferences and some teaching as well. Um, I host a monthly astrology salon at my shop, The Sacred Well, in Oakland, where uh, uh, budding astrologers will get together and we'll just sort of discuss uh, charts together to help uh, help them learn how to be comfortable speaking the language of astrology uh, uh, in, in interpreting charts. So that's sort of a basic snapshot of what I do. And do you, which type of astrology do you primarily work with, like horary for a lot of predictive work or evolutionary astrology, or just what type do you, or types do you tend to prefer? Mm -hmm. Well, I, I use uh, standard Western astrology, 
um, which is the type of astrology that most people in this country are most familiar with. And I would say that I, I typically just use astrology to help clients get a better understanding of themselves and also um, for forecasting, uh, the way that I use astrology, I don't believe that the future is set in stone, but that we play a role with our free will in co-creating uh, the destiny that we have. There are some things that are in some degree in our control and some things that are out of our control, and I strive to help people get a better idea of the things that they do have some control over steering so that they're able to make more conscious choices about how their future pans out. So it's like giving people a good idea of times when it's a good time to take a risk or a good time to be more conservative um, based upon how the planets are affecting their birth chart. You said that you had spoken at conferences and things, and one of the things I know you've recently been involved with is a new conference on queer astrology. And so can you maybe speak a bit to both what that is about and also the need or the importance for looking at astrology through that lens? Yeah, I would love to. Um, I just recently participated just a few weeks ago at the second Queer Astrology Conference, which was held in San Francisco. Um, the first one was held two years ago, also in San Francisco. Um, and uh, myself and some colleagues sort of put these conferences together following um, having come met each other at a prior astrology conference, um, the UAC, or the United Astrology Conference, in 2012 in New Orleans, where I met a few different uh, like-minded folks, all of us having a great time at the big party where all the astrologers get together, but noticing that there really wasn't any um, programming on the schedule addressing uh, many of the concerns involving uh, different sexual orientations and preferences, uh, different relationship preferences, and different ways of expressing gender that seemed to be coming up for us, both in our own lives and in the lives of the clients we were seeing, but they weren't being discussed in the more mainstream astrological community. So we sort of put our heads together and developed this queer astrology, both a movement and a conference. Um, where we could get some different sorts of voices into the conversation that was going on in the in the astrological community so that we could begin sort of discussing more of these issues from a more critical perspective. So that's what we've been doing. So I know a long time ago, I know there was, among some astrologers, this is kind of before the queer rights movement, uh, people used to look for signs that would indicate that a person would be gay or queer or like try to look at queer people's charts to figure out what the, like the magic recipe was uh astrologically that indicates someone would be gay or queer is that is that just crazy talk uh well i wouldn't say it's crazy talk but it is sort of a, the problematic position uh from which we began doing our work right because uh you know most queer people who are interested in astrology they usually first their, their first uh, exposure to astrology, like most people's, is let me sort of look a little bit more deeply into astrology and see what it says about me. And what you'll find in most of the astrological literature of the 20th century, uh, if there is a mention at all of gay, queer, or alternative sexuality expression, um, is usually from a context of, A, how can we find this in the chart, which mm -hmm. is... Um, which is an implied version of how do we find this abnormality in someone's chart. So a lot of the ways in which uh, the language used to describe these issues was often in a very pathologizing or perverting kind of way, as if somehow we might be looking in a chart for where um, 
a man went wrong and ended up becoming attracted to other men. So there's a pretty strong kind of knee-jerk reaction, I think, to the idea that we could find queerness in a chart based on a certain signature. Um, that said, um, in the discussions that we've been having as queer astrologers, there are certain sort of markers that have come up as sort of recurring themes that we will see in the charts of people that we know to be queer. Um, these are things like uh, having a personal planet such as Venus, uh, the moon, or the sun in some sort of hard aspect, which we might say would be either a conjunction, a square, or an opposition, and these are angles, um, to the planet Uranus, which is considered to be the planet of eccentricities, unorthodoxies, and anything that goes against the grain. So we do, uh, uh, we do often see hard aspects from Uranus to a personal planet in the charts of people that we know are queer. But I would add to that the caveat that um, perhaps the signature shows up in people who are more um, out with their sexuality or more uh, willing to embrace a visibly unconventional lifestyle, which is very different than, say, someone who may have uh, a same-sex attraction, but otherwise leads a more conventional life. So, A, we might mm. not be able to recognize them as people just based on how they move through the world. And likewise, when we look at their charts, we might see a very different kind of signature, which might be one that has to do with uh, constraint, repression, or uh, sort of assimilation as opposed to as much comfort standing out in the crowd. So, you know, as, as a practicing astrologer, having seen clients of all uh, sexual and gender expression persuasions over the years, I would say that I do not see a consistent signature showing up um, across the board in folks who, sh who uh, have same-sex desire, although this question of queer as, as a signifier that might have more of a... Of a of a consciously uh, anti-mainstream, unorthodox, even political bent might be likelier to show up with some sort of Uranus signature. Interesting. Um, I've I've had a number of people, and I have one currently, that I seem to attract as clients or just people that come for counseling in some way um, that are often in situations where they are in their 20s, uh, and just starting to come out, and oftentimes from foreign cultures, uh, and really struggling to go through that process because it's in opposition to, say, their cultural upbringing, their religious upbringing, etc. Um, how would coming? Because I can see, because I've seen it from the side of them coming for a tarot reading to to uh, work through some of that. How would coming to an astrology reading offer them a a path or an understanding or an insight into how to work through that kind of issue going on in their life? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, I can't speak for how all astrologers might handle that situation. I, I would say for myself as a practicing astrologer, I always strive to meet the person as they are when they show up to the session, uh, which is to say that though I can glean a lot of insight from somebody based upon looking at the astrology, uh, the session doesn't really begin until the relationship between myself and the client begins to unfold. So uh, based on where a client is in their own level of development or consciousness is where I will meet them first. 
then, you know, using astrology to sort of help them figure out what might be holding them back in terms of feeling comfortable with their expression. We would probably be looking at some of the, the dynamics in the natal chart, which might impact either the sort of the relational placements in their chart. You know, you mentioned um, the client who's struggling with uh diverging from a cultural upbringing, we might sort of be looking at what was going on in, in the parts of the chart that relate to the family and whether there are some strong pressures there that might be inhibiting uh, the expression of what's going on in the relational parts of the chart. Um, but really, I, uh, with every client, regardless of, of what they've come to see me for, uh, the conversation always unfolds based upon their interest level and their comfort level with what it is we're discussing. So I think it's really important that, uh, particularly when we're dealing with these issues of people who are un- uncomfortable with their sexuality, perhaps, they're still just beginning to gain comfort, that, uh, that we as the sort of quote-unquote all-knowing uh, reader, tarot reader, astrologer, not uh, impose our sense of, of how we believe their evolution should unfold and instead be really present with where they are and their, unfold, their own unfolding. You know, in, in the hypothetical example you gave also, say we're dealing with a client of the 20s, um, astrologically, one does not be, become an adult, uh, so to speak, until one's Saturn return. Um, Saturn return is when Saturn has made it um, once all the way around one's chart, and that occurs around the age of 29 or so. So really, the the teens and 20s, astrologically, are can be times where we have a little bit more leeway to kind of experiment with who we are and push boundaries um, with less lasting consequences than we might if we made some of those same uh, inappropriate or experimental choices for ourselves post-Saturn return in like our 30s or 40s. So we'd be talking a little bit about where they are in their life cycle as well. So speaking of where people are at, I think, people have a perception of astrology that you go to an astrologer, they pull up your birth chart and they just tell you everything there is to know about you, you know, to like, just about your personality. Um, but when people are visiting, you know, astrologers regularly, it seems like what they're talking about is what, what's going on for you right now. What's up ahead. Can you talk a little bit more about sort of what, what you, what you look for when, when you go beyond the birth chart? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that as far as my practice of astrology goes, um, we always come back to the birth chart, which means that as we receive transits or uh, as planets in the sky are making contact to the positions they were when we were born, uh, they are bringing up sort of opportunities and challenges right now in the present and in the future. But those opportunities are always related to the dynamics that are going on in our chart. Right. So as as we continue to you know return to astrology for more and more guidance, we're also sort of getting deeper into the nuances of our chart. So you know, as someone who is my own astrologer and have been looking at my own chart, you know, for about twenty years or so, I'm still always getting new insight into the dynamics of how the planets interact with one another because sometimes we aren't ready to reach a new level of awareness on something about ourselves until the time is right. And, you know, astrology is nothing if not a giant uh, clock in the sky. It it, it tells us when it is the right time to do certain things. And so in a lot of ways, uh, we don't come into certain parts of our natal chart in a fuller way until we experience some sort of transit to that point in our chart. And then we return back to the natal chart and mine it for more data about 
what part of ourselves is being triggered by the thing that's happening now and into the future. Does that make sense? Totally. So how, one of the reasons why I asked the question I asked earlier, um, are there times when somebody comes and asks you about something and you will say, you know, maybe an astrology reading isn't necessarily the best type of reading for that type of question or for this particular situation? Uh, how, how do you determine or how does someone determine when it's a good time or the, the right kind of thing to go, say, for an astrology reading versus a tarot reading versus some other kind of reading? Or do you think that astrology is good for everything? Everyone should only ever go for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do think astrology is very useful, but I don't think it solves all problems. Um, and, and I always think it's good to get a variety of, of sort of opinions, particularly if we're, if we're looking for uh, metaphysical or spiritual guidance. Um, it's always great to get more than one opinion. Uh, more often than not, if you're going to legitimate practitioners, um, uh, you'll, they'll, you'll be getting uh, similar responses from the people that you see. So, for instance, you know, I co-own the Sacred Well with my good friend and colleague, Rabbit, who's an, uh, an amazing tarot reader. And so we will often see clients who come in to see both of us. You know, maybe they'll see Rabbit one week and then see me the following week. And in the midst of our conversations, um, you know, something I say will resonate with the client, and they'll say, oh, that's so funny. That reminds me of a Rabbit said to me last week. And so there is a way in which I think if, if you are um, aligned with a certain sort of sincerity in the work that you do, um, you end up touching on these kind of universal truths regardless of what sort of divinatory medium you're using to reap your insight. Um, so I don't necessarily think there's, there's a wrong time to go see an astrologer. Oftentimes, people will show up, maybe they've never had an astrology reading before, and they will show up at a very critical time for them astrologically, whether it's one of these life cycle moments like Saturn return, or whether there's major heavy-duty outer planet transits to their chart, and they may not know that's why they've shown up at that time, just like, you know, somebody might, uh, you know, not have, sort of, their blood might be... uh, lacking iron and they suddenly feel a craving for red meat. It's like an, an, an unconscious way in which the body might crave nutrients it's not getting. I would say there's a real similarity for me between when people will show up for an astrology reading because it usually has a lot to do with something going on astrologically that they are unaware of. Um, you know, the only kind of clients that I wouldn't recommend coming to see me at least for an astrology session are those who think that I have the magic answer to fix their problems and that somehow I can tell them, you know, whether they they should break up with the person or shouldn't, or whether the other person is going to break up with them, as opposed to looking more deeply into the dynamic around that question, sort of how they ended up in that relationship, what what needs is fulfilling, what needs is not fulfilling. Um, so I tend to really resist clients who are looking to me to have some kind of almighty guru-like knowledge that I'm bestowing upon them that they can go off into the world and then do everything I said and everything's going to work out perfectly. And instead, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to draw clients who are in, interested in having a conversation where they also take some responsibility for their future and we discuss the crossroads that they're at and what may be going on in their astrology chart, both natally and at the moment, that might uh, create certain consequences if they make one decision and other consequences if they make another decision that they have the most sort of 
insight possible so that they can take charge of their own lives. And that's a very strong um, alignment that I have towards my client work. And I get very nervous with clients who just want me to give them the answer. Thankfully, I think I don't draw many of those clients, perhaps because of the kind of work that I do, the way I write about astrology on my website, or just kind of the energy that I'm putting out there. I tend to draw really awesome uh, clients that really know themselves pretty well. On the topic uh, you mentioned earlier, and, and just for now, the, the, the importance of free will and agency or a sense of agency for people when dealing with astrology, um, I think it's easy for people to sort of fall into the idea like, you know, I have bad signs. I, I, there's actually, a, I love the, the, the astrology book series, Born on a Bad Day um, and Love on a Bad Day. And, um, but I, I just, I feel like there's a, there are people who kind of tend to believe the cosmos is sort of primarily against them and this is seen in their really bad astrology they were born under. How do people use astrology in an empowering way? I mean, you mentioned like looking at, you know, around looking at like around the question, how did you end up in this? What, what, you know, what, what are your choices? Is, is there anything people need to know about empowering themselves? With this information, other than just looking at their chart and thinking, "Well, I'm doomed. I'm just doomed." Look at look at all those retrograde planets, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know your question's cutting to the to the philosophical heart of what astrology is about because these are really complicated issues, right? Um, you know, astrology does stipulate that there are certain essential qualities to a person based upon what's in their chart, and that they're sort of essential uh, qualities of a period of time based upon what the planets are doing at that time. So we could claim that that is uh, sort of fate or predestination involved there, and then that's one pole that we might pit uh, pure free will on the other pole against it, right? This is sort of the big philosophical question at the heart of astrology. Do we believe in fate or do we believe in free will? And I think um, to really handle that question in a sophisticated way, you have to really be willing to kind of hold both of those things simultaneously. Because just as I do believe strongly in sort of using astrology to empower people to feel that they can co-create their destiny, it can also be a pretty insulting and disempowering thing to be kind of uh, told or have an insinuation made that somehow you're responsible for all the crappy things that happened to you and that there is, you know, that we all have this free will to do whatever we want in the world, which is not entirely true. I think one of the lessons that I've learned Mm -hmm. over the years as I've gotten older and more experienced as an astrologer is to be able to be quite humble with people who do have sort of a less fair lot in life, which may show up through their life circumstances or may show up in their chart. You know, it's not like there are good or bad things in an astrology chart, at least as far as I believe, but it would also be naive to say that there aren't certain charts that have some real challenges to them that people have to work out in order to achieve satisfaction and that there are some charts that are a little bit less challenging. And so I think it's important to both be empowering with clients in terms of how we discuss astrology, but not be disrespectful of the fact that that some things come more easily to some people than other things do. Um, Mm -hmm. So when somebody has a really difficult, say, a difficult uh, chart with regards to relationship, 
um, that I not sort of paint that over in fluffy, pretty colors and tell them that everything is great. They just need to keep smiling and they'll attract the perfect person. Um, but it's about sort of adjusting their expectations about what relationship success might look like for them um, while acknowledging that they may struggle to connect with people in that sort of partnership kind of way more than, than some of their friends might. Because sometimes it's just affirming to hear that you're not crazy when you've already noticed that these things are coming harder for you than they might to all of your friends. So I think it is a delicate dance of being both empowering but realistic. <laughs> and do you find that there's a lot of resistance by people to to hear or to deal with that uh, way of approaching it? Or do you find that people are pretty open to that? instead of just wanting the prediction or tell me what to do or tell me why this is? Um, I think that if, they, if they've gotten so far that they're spending time in front of me for an hour, they are probably a little bit open to, uh, to hearing sort of the way that I see it, right? So, you know, there will, there will be certain clients that keep wanting to sort of shortcut me past the part of the conversation where we're talking about their own process and how they set themselves up for certain circumstances and just kind of want to jump to the chase and tell me like, you know, if the guy is going to show up this year or not. And, you know, I'll mm. be like, well, that depends on what you do, right? Like, I can't tell you there could be the world's greatest relationship astrology happening in your chart, but if you never leave the house and you never even try online dating and you never put yourself out there, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be able to take advantage of this positive astrology because you're not taking any agency in utilizing that. You know, a lot of the quote-unquote most fortunate or lucky transits that we can get astrologically don't actually uh, compel wonderful things to happen to us. They merely create a very favorable environment in which we can take action and then expect better results than we would get if we took action at a different time. But we still have to take action. So... Along that theme of taking action, one of the reasons we had asked you to be on um, the show at this particular point in the year is because, one, we've just passed the uh, spring equinox, and that kind of moves us into a new cycle uh, for the year, uh, both a zodiac cycle uh, as well as a seasonal cycle. Um, and also, we've just moved out of, or in the process of moving out of, the the Pluto-Uranus square cycle that's been going on for the past three-ish years or so, which I think has been challenging, if not more, for many people. <laughs> yes, um, to put it lightly, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so I thought um, that it would be very interesting, perhaps, to hear now what? You know, now that we're coming out of that cycle, what's coming next in terms of some of the bigger astrological themes, astrological patterns, now that we're moving away from that Pluto-Uranus square umbrella that we've kind of been under into whatever is coming next? Um, and mm -hmm. I will let you tell us if you would like us to look at the next few months or if you want to look at particular periods or, uh, of the, the upcoming year. Um, based on how you think would be best to structure that. And mm -hmm. for what for what we're looking at, Charlie and I are also going to each pull a tarot card um, and just see how the tarot speaks to that period as well and then tie it and then 
uh, tie it to the astrological aspects that you're talking about. Okay, okay. So before we sort of dive into what's what's going to be coming up in the next few months, I do just sort of want to give a, a brief a wrap-up of sort of the Uranus-Pluto square that you were mentioning um, in that intro, right? So for those folks that aren't aware of what we're talking about here, um, we're talking about the fact that Uranus, which is uh, currently in Aries, has been in a square or a 90-degree angle to Pluto, which is currently in Capricorn. And whenever these two uh, outer planets, which both move fairly slowly, um, come into any hard aspect like this, again, hard aspect, I mean a conjunction, a square, or an opposition, these are periods in history um, which uh, which uh, show uh, to have a lot more sort of unrest, sort of revolutionary struggle, a lot of um, uprising with regards to human rights, uh, women's rights, uh, racial issues. Um, in general, they tend to be periods of time where everything feels very chaotic and disrupted. Um, so prior to this current square, the previous two periods that were like that, we had the, the conjunction of Uranus and Pluto, which was in the mid-1960s. And then the prior square was during the Great Depression. So the period of time we've been dealing with, um, say, from roughly 2010 onward, yeah, the closest uh, things we have in recent history to compare this period to are the 60s and the Great Depression. So there is a feeling um, over the last few years of sort of a world gone crazy that uh, we've been so in the midst of for so long that it's almost like we've come to accept it as the new normal. Uranus and Pluto made their first exact square in June of 2012, and they actually kept going retrograde and direct again, but they formed seven different exact squares, the seventh of which... Uh, finally happened last month in March of 2015. And now we are beginning to move out of that period. So, you know, what I want to say about that period is this. So collectively and in terms of people's personal lives, there's been a whole lot of pretty intense change, uh, evolutionary pressure, upset, to the point where I think a lot of people are just kind of shell-shocked or don't know what's next or are still uh, picking up the pieces of the chaos which ensued. And so for now, at least, one of the, the main important messages to, to take away from all of this is just probably the basic idea that astrology teaches all the time, which is that there's a time for everything, and then that time passes, and then there'll be something else, right? So everything is always temporary. So that's important to remember when we've been in the midst of like a few years of nonstop kind of brutal amounts of change and having to be in direct confrontation with things that we perhaps would have preferred not to be dealing with all at once, but everything just kind of came up in this kind of uh, big way. And so now following that final square and also, you know, you mentioned uh, the spring equinox, which was also um, the same day as a solar eclipse. So that, you know, the beginning of the new Zodiac year also had this extra kind of new beginning charge because there was a solar eclipse happening at the very last degree of the Zodiac before, you know, the sun moved into Aries. So this very much is the beginning of a new period, this sort of like, what do we do now? Now that the, the, the heaviest moments of, of change and, and turbulence are behind us, we can only now begin to think about the things that we would like to build 
for the future that are likelier to be able to be sustained since it's, it's hard to build something new while the world is still shaking. So I think that's kind of the perspective at which I'm coming at where we are now, which is just beginning to sort of see the next thing. Charlie and I both pulled cards to look at, okay, what does it from the Tarot standpoint look like as we are emerging from this Pluto Uranus square period? Uh, And uh, Charlie, do you want to say what card? Sure. Yeah. Um, That's funny. I I jinxed it. I was hoping for something that wouldn't be very dramatic. (laughs) Um, I got justice. Uh, I got the justice card, which, so my intention, just like, double click on what I see was saying was like, okay, it's the new year. It's, you know, people always do New Year's reading. So this is an astrological New Year's reading and justice. Ah, dramatic. You mentioned that there's times, you know, there's an ebb and flow. And sometimes there's a time to act and sometimes there's a time to observe and be aware. And justice, for me, I interpret generally as, as a time to act um, in a couple of specific ways. One, um, gosh, when I was Early learning tarot, something that stuck with me, it's what traditionally the uh, justice often indicates divorce. And they meant in um, relationship readings, but um, I, listening to what you were talking about and kind of thinking about sort of emerging from the conjunction, conjunction, junction there, um, my thought was, all right, it is time to no longer have anything to do with the things that just are not right, which the things that don't serve your greatest and highest. Okay, I mean, we're always going around the, the term your greatest and highest good. But in this, I'm using it. It's justice. I get to use that card word. Um, to also um, act in alignment with your true will and, well, act, your, your true moral compass. Uh, justice is sort of, it, it is not a card about... Um, make it as you go along or just wing it or uh, just keep going on. Like it, it is about making firm decisions for me um, and sort of it's the new year, clear out the things that are part of the old time or are part of life before the things that started to break when the stars aligned in that way, if that makes sense, the things that started to break down, it's, it's like you're not supposed to keep dragging those forward into your life. Does that make sense, Barry, in any kind of way? Can yeah, you absolutely. The yeah. sky or... <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I win. Well, you know, I win, so... <laughs> I see what you <laughs> uh, Well, the card that came up for me was the Nine of Wands reversed. And on the one hand, especially the Nine of Wands, Nines in general, but especially the Nine of Wands, when it reverses, it's saying it's the the old patterns are done and we are completely aware that they no longer work for us. And in the deck I'm using, this card is called exhaustion. And so it's mm-hmm. one, I think it shows people are exhausted because it's just taken so much out of them to get through this Pluto Uranus square <laughs> cycle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But also I think it's a recognition and awareness that the old habits, the old ways of doing things are exhausted. There's nothing to even... Um, salvage from them versus having to look at completely new ways of doing things, completely new patterns and and approaches to things, completely new structures to have to put into place. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes really well with the Uranus-Pluto score insofar as I think, you know, one of the sort of higher purposes of having periods of 
of such tremendous, um, and I'm going to again use the word brutal change, is that you realize that there is no going back. So when people are sort of yearning for like things to calm down again, um, if they're, if that yearning is coming from an unexamined place, they're still hoping that things will settle back down to how they were before all of this started to happen. And the reality is that's just not how things are shaking out. In fact, we do have to come up with completely new uh, patterns and ways of doing things because uh, for many of us, we literally cannot go back to the thing that we've lost over the last few years. Um, it will kill us. It doesn't exist anymore. It's become intolerable. Um, and so, you know, that makes a lot of sense in terms of that, I think. And I think on a, a, a larger, more collective level, it makes sense from something that just happened in the past couple of days. Um, with Charlie's card, especially with the justice card coming up, because the with all of the things that have happened, like in Ferguson and all of the things with police and the treatment of yeah. black people and all of that kind of thing, and what we've seen in the past couple of days is uh, in South Carolina is extremely fast action to do something that that at least seems more right. In, in the police officer that shot the black guy in the back while he was running away. And yeah. instead of it getting, you know, shoved under the rug, instead of it being uh, explained away in so many different versions of a story kind of thing, they immediately arrested the, the police officer and have immediately charged him with murder. So I think that that justice card also shows that maybe, hopefully, one of the shifts is we can't keep doing things the old way. And part of that is because of social media. It's like now everything gets caught on camera. So there's a certain justice that is unavoidable because it's now visible and in black and white. And we've really seen the, 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 the surge of that with cameras for the police and that kind of thing come up. So to me, that's how I would, on a bigger scale, look at how that justice card really seems to fit in um, with what the Pluto Uranus square cycle has wrought for us in a good way. Absolutely. I would totally agree with that. So now as we start to catch our breath <laughs> coming out of that cycle um, and mm-hmm. look forward into the coming year, uh, where would you, how would you like to, to break up the year? Where would you see certain periods or, or aspects that you would like to highlight for the coming year that we had general broad sense needs to know about? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say just kind of um, uh, for our purposes here, I think it would be useful to look at maybe a card for the period of, say, between now and June. So, you know, largely May and, and early June, um, and then one for the summer. And then I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the astrology of why I'm, I'm sort of splitting things there. But I, I do think that there's sort of an in-between period that we're sort of in the midst of now in April and May, and then things get a little bit more uh, astrologically dynamic uh, again in June um, and, and stay that way through much of the summer. So I'd be curious, before I say more, to just sort of let you guys maybe pick a, a card for this sort of what I'm calling the in-between period and then maybe do one more card for the summer. Sure. All right. So this is the so, next so, or? Uh, well, so I'll, I'll go first for the, the May, June, the in-between period, let us say. Um, and the card that came up for me, interestingly, is the Ten of Pentacles. And again, in the deck that I'm using, which is the Osho Zen deck, because I keep saying that, 
Um, it's called We Are the World. And, you know, with the Ten of Pentacles, there's a sense of culmination, but it also reiterates that theme because very traditionally, the Ten of Pentacles is about turning our back on the old or the old homestead and moving out and moving away towards creating and forging a new life. And there's a certain um, collective aspect to this card because the, the old traditional meaning would have been somebody getting married and, and the, the, it's basically the young woman who's leaving the home where she lived with her uh, family with her new husband to go out and forge a new life. Um, I see this as kind of a bigger sense of people are realizing we have to be in this together and we have to be working together, and we have to see it as something where everyone benefits, but it's simply because everyone is a part of the process. And here it makes me think, for example, of what's happening in California with the drought situation. And people are starting to realize everybody has to do something in order to try to contribute to lessening their water use. It can't just be certain people or certain businesses, but it doesn't affect me or, you know, that kind of thing. So I'm thinking that this in-between time is about starting to make more concrete for people what these changes have revealed, how we need to start working with them and changing things, but that it's not about doing it individually and it's not just about me and what I get out of it but it's about that collective sense of we have to start doing this in a more um, cooperative way and we have to Mm -hmm. turn our back on the old and begin the process of looking towards and moving towards forging a new life, forging a new way rather than just trying to pick up the old way or follow in the footsteps of how it was done before. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm working with the artist Arcanum Tarot and there's, it's kind of wacky. There's 78 cards in the deck, and I got the Ten of Pentacles. Um, I was like, oh, God, Tarot. Okay, so I said, you know, I could just say everything you said, I see the Ten of Pentacles. Take. Oh, wait, wait. But, so I'm uh, confirming. You you picked the same card that I see. Yeah, we got the same card. Love it. So Love it. It is now okay. true. It is now <laughs> just true. And now and now we just have to duke it out over the, the fine details. But So now the Ten of Pentacles in the Arkansas Conum, there's a man, and he's walking up towards an archway, and there's a, a, a woman in a blue dress. There's a big party going on behind her with banners and pennants, and she's excited. He's bringing a giant uh, pentacle, giant, giant gold disc, and she's excited. She's like, oh, you brought the giant gold disc thing. Uh, sort of like a, you know, a delivery service or something. But um, this is a time, I mean, I know, I see you. your interpretation kind of focused on there's certain lack out there and, and recognizing it. I guess for me, the, the place I go to with it is that uh, to remember that you have plenty and to kind of tie it into what I do think you have plenty already. We have enough on our own. We don't need, I mean, dramatic external solutions. The Ten of Pentacles I guess to me, and, and you know, kind of coming, coming from the uh, in-between time, is that the hard times, the times before, the sort of times of tumultuous change, 
gave us a great deal. I think that people feel more empowered than they did a few years ago. Um, just to point to something you mentioned, Tyson, you mentioned that the, uh, the recent police uh, shooting in the Carolinas, um, that this I mean, that doesn't seem like a very technical thing, but what stood out from when, when you were speaking and looking at this, when I was looking at this card was that we have power. Like that, that one went differently and people are handling it differently. And I, I know that there's a lot of chance involved, but people do have power. People are Ferguson, you know, the, uh, the, the protests are still going. Uh, in government, people are still looking up, look, you know, people are feeling more empowered. Uh, sort of the, the protest movement that started, you know, three years ago is still gaining steam. And it went through some difficult times, but it was useful. Good time. I mean, difficult times. Um, it's easy for Peter to say. But uh, I guess I would focus on the idea that when you're looking at what do I need right now, when I look at the Ten of Pentacles, it's sort of, uh, to quote Yoda from the Trinity, I already have you that which you need. You have it. You're fine. The Ten of Pentacles is the culmination of acquisition. It is, you know, you have everything you need. And with it following justice, it kind of suggests to me um, acting because we're no longer waiting to become ready to act, um, acting be- and making choices because we're not waiting for new information to surface. So that's that's what I, I guess I would, this Ten of Pentacles suggests kind of, after listening to Heisey's excellent analysis of his Ten of Pentacles. Yeah, I, I think it's so interesting you both pulled that same card. I mean, I, I'm I'm never astounded by things in the magical world, and yet I'm always astounded by things in the magical world. Um, oh, there's something know, to I, all of this. Right? I mean, right. I, I am by no means a tarot expert, but it is my understanding that pentacles is often associated with the earth element. Um, and what's interesting is right now, as we speak, we do have both Venus and Mars in Taurus, which is a much more grounded earth sign and slower energy, right? So um, last month in March, when sort of we were having the height of a lot of sort of more dynamic astrology, there were a lot of planets in Aries, which is a much more fiery, active, um, aggressive sign. Um, And so this first chunk of this kind of in-between period I'm referring to does have this sort of Taurus energy to it, which sort of grounds things, slows things down, gives us the time to kind of check back into our bodies, simplify things. Um, and then sort of uh, once we move into May and then into early June, there's going to be quite a bit of Gemini energy. So, you know, we're going to be having a Mercury retrograde in Gemini. You know, I tend to be an astrologer that doesn't um, overhype the uh, the craziness of Mercury retrograde because it does happen three times a year for about three and a half weeks. And we don't really have the luxury of putting our lives on hold during that time. Um, Mercury is actually very happy in the sign of Gemini because it is the planet that rules Gemini. And during uh, the entire Mercury retrograde, we'll also have Mars and Gemini as well. So throughout, um, you know, the second half of May and into the first part of June, there's just going to be a lot of sort of, uh, you know, when, when Gemini energy is strong, there tends to be a lot of socializing, a lot of exchanging information. There's a lot of calls and emails and meetings and dates with people. And so to me, it feels like, and, and also I think we were talking about the term fresh air or, or a moment to breathe. Um, 
I think that when there's a lot of Gemini energy, we have the opportunity to kind of exchange new ideas, kind of begin to talk about what we're going to do next, see who's going to do it with us, experiment with different possibilities. You know, when Mercury goes retrograde, we may experiment with possibilities that then may not come to fruition once Mercury goes direct, or we still have kinks to work out during that period. But there's kind of like a, a fresh breath experimental energy to having all that Gemini, but I think we can expect to really uh, uh, have a lot of impact during May and the first part of June. So that's kind of what I'm seeing as a sort of in-between period leading up to a summer that has um, somewhat more dynamic astrology. So maybe I'll pause there and we'll see what, what cards you all pick for, those, for that period. All right. Well, Alrighty. Charlie, since I, since I practically stole your thunder with the previous, oh, my goodness. I will <laughs> allow you to go first with this thing. I know. It's like we wore the same dress to Oscars, right? Like, <laughs> so this is, the, this is the summer, right? This is actually yeah. the summer. Yeah. Just to clarify. Okay. Oh, goodness. Okay. The Sixth of Wands. I like the Sixth of Wands quite a bit. Um, uh, the six of wands for me is, uh, well, the sixes are all about forward movement. Um, and I, I see the six of wands as uh, rising up and being seen and being open and being counted and um, leading leadership qualities. Um, so people point out that six, the sixes in tarot usually show uh, unequal relationships, but in the six of wands, the unequal relationship is um, um, the 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 one who is the the one meant to lead. You know, hierarchy is okay if it's if it's uh, people need leaders sometimes. And so in this deck, uh, it's six gentlemen each holding a, a giant uh, rod. You know, take with that what you will. But uh, one person points out that they're kind of in, in the shrubbery there. And one person pointing out the path. So um, what I'm getting from that is, um, I guess, one of two things. Either receiving guidance from the divine, like being open to receiving information, receiving direction on where to go next, or where, where, where to head. Uh, but also, and then passing that message along. So listening, being aware finding the right path, and then making sure others follow you on that path in a way that is healthy. When I say making sure others follow you, I mean just make the information available to them. Uh, this is the card of the benevolent leader, the six of wands when it's upright for me. So, mm. and, so uh, leadership qualities and listening to guys is kind of where I, I'm landing on that guy. And you, I see. What do you got for me? You know, I, I swear you can't make this up. So I shuffle, shuffled, and the card that came up was the no. Ace of Pentacles, oh. which basically would be the card that, if we think of the court cards as something separate, it would be the card that would follow the Ten of Pentacles that just came up. So it's the perfect progression oh. from the Ten of Pentacles <laughs> for this in-between period to the summer of the Ace of Pentacles. And mm-hmm. Ace of Pentacles, to me, would indicate it's the summer when we really start to get down to work. That's when we would perhaps want to really start planting the seeds, initiating some things, taking the real-world action, 
towards the new that we have recognized we need to start establishing, building, and constructing as a result of the changes that we have been through and what we have seen no longer works and is now time to start creating something completely new rather than just a rehash or an adding on to the old. Um, I also tend to think of uh, the Ace of Pentacles is, as one of the most magical cards or one of the cards that really represents the idea of magic. So I'm also going to be curious if there might be something indicating that Summer has a particularly astrological indication of magic or engaging in magic or doing magic, that there seems to be something very manifest-oriented and the ability to make real what it is that you put that intention, will, and magic towards. And you would see real world, real results, real progress from doing that. Not necessarily overnight, because with the earth suit, there is a sense it takes time. But you would see a sense that it's really starting to take root and take hold, and that the more you cultivate it and tend to it and energize it, and real action, real work that you put into it, the more you see it growing and progressing and actually happening. And it really makes me think of that Pluto Uranus square because what I have often described it as to people is Pluto Uranus square has felt like two steps forward, three steps back with anything that we seem to be trying. (laughs) And now coming out of it, and especially with this summer, is when we really start to feel as if now I can actually make progress and see real and true growth that is sustainable and viable for the long term from the things that I plant and the actions that I start taking. Mm. I love both of what you guys said. Um, I think that they both have um, a pretty direct application to sort of what's going on this summer. Um, The big news this summer is that we're going to be having a Venus retrograde. Um, Venus will be retrograde from uh, July 25th until September 6th. But when we're really looking at sort of a Venus retrograde, and what uh, you know, for those who don't that don't know, a retrograde is when a planet appears to be moving backwards for a period of time. So when we're looking at a retrograde, we're really looking at the entire period of when the planet first enters um, the what we call the shadow or the zone in which it's going to go retrograde. Then there's a period of time where it appears to be moving backwards to that zone. Then it goes direct again, and it, it moves through that zone a third time. Um, a, a large amount of this Venus retrograde is occurring in the sign of Leo. Um, you know, Venus typically moves through a sign in somewhere between three to four weeks. But Venus will be in Leo for approximately four months, with uh, two weeks in the middle where it pops into Virgo just for the first degree of Virgo. And that's when Venus goes retrograde, and then it retrogrades back into Leo. So what's interesting about this period of time, there's a few things. One is that um, the fire element is going to be incredibly strong. You know, we've already had um, Jupiter in Leo since last summer. Um, Jupiter is considered to be one of the benefics, um, and Venus is considered to be the other. So during the course of the summer, we'll have both of the benefics in Leo in a fire sign conjoining one another. Um, and there will also be trining Uranus, which, as I mentioned earlier, is an Aries. So there's a lot of fire sign energy, and um, they're in uh, Leo and Aries, which are considered to be sort of the two quote-unquote self 
centered signs insofar as those sort of fiery signs represent the energy of sort of going boldly forth with a sort of self-confident uh, leadership energy, much like Charlie was talking about in his description of uh, the Six of Wands. Um, so that's kind of the general elemental, elemental energy that's going to be going on. Um, Venus retrogrades are notorious for two things. Um, Venus, among other things, rules love and money. Uh, generally speaking, she is the planet that rules that which we find value in. And so when Venus goes retrograde, she will bring up um, some alternative views with regards to what we find value in. So financially speaking, when Venus goes retrograde, there, uh, there, there is a sort of a, a typical warning against not making large purchases or signing major financial deals because there is a question about whether we are accurately seeing the value of that thing. So one of the examples, people will be like, I got this great deal on that amazing pink fur coat I've always wanted. And then when Venus goes direct, they go, why did I want that ugly pink coat? And why did I spend all that money on it? Because when we're under Venus retrograde, we, we don't have the accurate value of something. Now, I always like to add the caveat that um, all of us are under a Venus retrograde at the same time. So it's not just the buyer that might be uh, misestimating the value of something, but the seller also could be. So when Venus goes retrograde, there is also the potential to get a great deal on something from someone that doesn't know how valuable the thing is that's selling. So that's one uh, sort of major manifestation of, of how a Venus retrograde goes. The other uh, is the relational one, and this one perhaps gets a little bit more uh, more pressed because Venus retrogrades have this uncanny way of bringing back unfinished relationship distance. Sometimes they will bring someone back from the past, uh, sort of a, a reconnection with an ex, or the person shows back up in some way, or we might um, spot somebody new that really catches our eye. It might surprise us, or it might be somebody that's not our usual type, but there's something about them showing up now that has us um, asking questions about what it is we really want in a relationship. So during Venus retrograde times, there can often be, um, whether it's reconnection with our past or a glimpse of a potential future, which may, of course, prove to just be a mirage because Venus is retrograde, the, the main purpose is to have us sort of um, re, re-asking questions about our relational involvement just to be sure that we are doing the right thing, or if we're not, to make adjustments, hopefully after Venus is gone direct again, that put us more in line with what we really want in something. So having these these uh, this Venus retrograde happen in the sign of Leo, while there's a lot of other fiery energy going on, I think has a lesson for us in terms of uh, sort of how quickly we follow the thing that seems hot and exciting in a moment, whether it be a good financial deal or sort of a hot romantic prospect, and whether we're actually uh, seeing, uh, seeing it all the way through past those initial fiery thrills or sort of the immediate ego boost that we may get from something. Because Leo at its worst is uh, vain and proud and driven by reputation and what feels good in a moment, or we might say like an ungracious way of being a leader. Um, and that's at its worst. But of course, at its best, Leo is a, a sincere, genuine, generous sign that wants to give of its heart. So I think that one of the things that we're dealing with during this summer are some of these sort of 
surprise Venus retrograde element. But what's also happening is that in the midst of all of this, Jupiter is going to move into Virgo, which is an Earth sign. And Venus also, as I said, dips into Virgo for just a couple weeks uh, before it pops back into Leo and doesn't again arrive in Virgo until October. But because this is happening right before um, the shift into a more earthy element, uh, sort of to go along with Pisces pulling that ace of pentacles, it's like first we have to kind of check to make sure that we're in the right relationship and also that we're not being tempted by some kind of dangling carrot that the ego might want, but is impractical in some ways. And, you know, the fact that Saturn will have retrograded back into Scorpio during this time and will also be squaring Venus during her retrograde tells us that I think that that some of the, the sort of devilish excitement that gets stirred up over the summer is something of a little bit of a test to see if we really have moved forward or if we're still being taken in by some of the ego temptations that of the past because, you know, Saturn had been in Scorpio from late 2012 through late 2014. And Saturn in Scorpio is a pretty heavy, a muddy, dark energy that forces us to have to deal with uh, the consequences of, of things we haven't thought out uh, as thoroughly as we could have. And so there's a way in which there's this uh, we're being tested, I think, during the summer, like before we actually start doing the work of rebuilding, which I think uh, very much is in line with the transition from Leo to Virgo, we have to make sure that we're not going to be tempted by the same kind of temptation that we fell to in the past. So that's kind of the sort of devilish, exciting, dynamic summer that I think we're in store for with this Venus retrograde. So now, one question I had about Venus at retrograde, is it true that that's when everyone gets divorced and breaks up? Um, I have not seen that as a common occurrence. I would say that it's a time when the stuff that we have turned a blind eye to in our relationships might pop up in an inconvenient way. It's kind of like, you know, maybe we've settled into a relationship um, and we, we sort of take certain things that we're no longer getting um, we take those things for granted just because we're in a comfortable situation. And when Venus goes retrograde, um, we see it from a different angle. We see the things that we're missing. Um, sometimes we will see it as a result of um, someone new showing up, and we see that they have some quality that we've forsaken in our present relationship. Or we may um, double down on the relationship. So a lot of times, you know, the trouble, any troubles that get stirred up at Venus retrograde actually end up having a recommit to the relationship we're already in, um, but just to make sure we're not doing it by default, but doing it uh, consciously. Is that as far as you want to look? Were there any other major trends or anything in the year that you were going to point out? I was, you know, I sort of wanted to focus there because I feel like it's after this Venus retrograde when Jupiter then moves out of Leo and into Virgo I mean, it also moves Jupiter out of trying to Uranus, which has been a sort of a uh, an aspect that has created a, a, an extra fiery excitation feeling over the last several months. Once Jupiter moves into Virgo, then it moves into a, a trying to Pluto uh, in Capricorn, which is more of a, a grounding thing. So I feel like the like the the dynamic events are likely to happen during the summer, and then you know, as, as the fall rolls around that we're mainly going to be kind of simmering down and starting to really figure out practical, strategic next steps um, 
you know, involving, you know, potentially sort of how we redistribute, reallocate our resources after having just come out of a pretty chaotic uh, period. And that will also include settling down from anything that gets stirred up over the summer. So that's sort of the main thing that I was looking at. And I think speaking back to what Charlie had asked about, too, if Venus retrograde is when you see all the divorces or whatever, um, that it would sound like to me these things may get stirred up in relationships and there may even be doubts or concerns or whatever that are going on, but it wouldn't necessarily be the best period to make a final decision about whether to end a relationship or not. And maybe wait until that period that you're talking about uh, a, a month, a couple months later before really saying, now I see what the true assessment of the situation is and what the best way forward would be. Would that be correct? Yeah, I think that's a great point. I would, I would absolutely agree with that, that, um, you know, to make a major relationship decision while Venus is retrograde is like, you know, trying to sort of reboot your computer software when Mercury is retrograde, right? It's like, this is not the time to do that. <laughs> it's the right. time to ask the question. So, you know, I would say that, that things that get stirred up over the summer, if you want to be really safe, that you're not taking decisive action really until the beginning of October. That clears out. Go ahead. That clears the, the shadow of the retrograde. And uh, by that point, uh, Mars will be in Virgo. Venus will be in Virgo. Uh, so it will, it will allow more thought to happen in a more detail-oriented way. So we might make sort of, we might have that fiery moment of like just kind of knowing that, that something's over or that we want to do something during the summer, but we might not think out all of the details involved in it. And it, it's really better, you know, maybe I'm also revealing some of my bias. I'm, I'm definitely an earthier person than a fiery person. So I, of course, would want to be able to think out the details before I made a major decision like that. Um, but it, it, in terms of clearing the Venus retrograde completely, uh, early October is your safe bet. And, and moving out of that that Uranus aspect in the trine also takes away that kind of unexpectedness, which says you may have some unexpected results from the decisions or actions that you make during that time. So you might want to wait <laughs> rather than... absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The Jupiter-Uranus trine, particularly because it's across these two quote-unquote self-centered signs, increases a sort of erratic quality uh, where we might take an action just like to prove that we can or to be contrary in some way, as opposed to it being the thing that's most practically shrewd for us in terms of longer-term thinking. Whereas when we switch to this Jupiter-Pluto trine, uh, from Virgo to Capricorn, we're looking at two very uh, data-oriented strategic Earth signs. Um, so it does make it better for making longer-term plans, I would say. All right. Well, thanks for taking a look at that and giving us insight. Just as kind of a travel planner <laughs> for the next Absolutely. six months. So now, <laughs> if someone wanted to make some long-term plans with you, in the form of a consultation, where do they go to find you? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, 
I always encourage people to to start at my website, which is astroberry.com, because you can read my writings. And as I said, I write weekly horoscopes. And I like to tell people, you know, I'm not for everybody, and you'll get a good idea of my style by reading my horoscopes and whether you vibe with it or not. Um, And if you're interested in booking a consultation with me, uh, you can email me through my website or just directly at barry at astroberry.com. Um, I also uh, do sessions on Fridays at the sacred. So I, I, I see clients in San Francisco and over the phone, but I also see clients in Oakland at the sacred well on uh, on most Fridays. So uh, appointments with me on a Friday at the sacred well can be booked directly through the store um, by phone or by going on the website sacredwell.com where you can actually book a consultation directly with me online. And do you do consultations on the phone or... Yeah, I see them on the phone with clients all over the world. Um, I have written for a couple different magazines in Australia, so I'm used to dealing with, you know, time zones and, you know, people across the world. Um, And uh, interestingly enough, across the world, they still want to know about their career and their love life. So, you know, I guess people uh, care about the same things no matter where they are. Thank you, Barry. It's been a pleasure taking a look at the Astrological Weather Report. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, guys. Listening to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist with hosts Hi C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows L I V E. Find out more at Facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Enjoy the show. Hey there, Hi C. And we are back.
Are you there? I am so sorry. That's all right. I just thought like, One, I'm like, I've done something wrong again. No, no. The power of the mute button that goes unpushed. <laughs> I've definitely um, been like kept interjecting during an interview and like, they're like, they're not listening to me. What? Uh-oh. <laughs> like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> so my apologies. But I was just saying a final note of gratitude to Barry for having joined us this evening and giving us, given us Lots of information and lots of notes for the next six months to make sure that we keep track of. Absolutely. It's always great to talk to Astro Barry. Do you think he knows Frankenberry? <laughs> and do you think he's heard that one before? <laughs> probably he's heard that. <laughs> yes, and if he does, he'd probably have some pact that he can't say anyway. So, oh, that's know. fair. It, that's fair. That's legitimate. That, that, it's the Barry mystery tradition. Well... So, are we ready to pull cards for living a fuller, queerer life? I do believe so. And just for anyone listening, if you've not joined us before, this is our segment called Living the Queer Life, where we pull a card just to look at the upcoming month and how to best navigate it to be our fullest, queerest, most authentic selves, um, to to be as unique and as individual as we are meant to be. And I'm just going to need one moment to grab my cards. I thought I had them right here. So why don't we start with (laughs) (laughs) you? All right. Well, I'm, I'm amused by the card that came up because I decided to use one of my favorite oracle decks, which is called the Isis Oracle. And I chose a card from that, uh, asking about the upcoming month. And the card that came up is called Life Restored, Priestess of the Phoenix. And the reason I'm amused by that is because after what we were just talking about with Barry in terms of not only is this a period of, of kind of catching our breath, but it's also a period of now one might say, rising from the ashes of the past few years with the Pluto-Uranus square and the other things that have been going on, so that we are now starting to come back to life, we are starting to put the pieces back together, we're starting to move forward again. So I think that this is the the, the perfect card to come up, because it does have a sense that there are, um, that, that we have the ability to now start making progress towards bringing new life to ourselves internally, spiritually, but also to our lives externally as we are able to make sense or at least some sense of the changes and shifts that have happened and now figure out what new is going to be born from that, um, what is going to come out of the old that is now falling away. And that's one of the big things that is um, a part of this card coming up in the Oracle. It's all about letting go of the past and not um, not feeling resigned to um, having to do things the way they used to be. It's, in a sense, being bold and courageous enough to embrace the new and to allow the new to be the driving force and to be what it is that's going to um, uh, give us the building blocks for how we move forward, for the actions that we start taking. We're not trying to just pick up the pieces and recapture the past. 
We are trying to build something new in place of the past and what it was. And, you know, there's a sense of something new coming out of the rubble of that that priestess of the phoenix idea of rising from the ashes of what was and now shining brighter and something more being able to come. And, you know, in some ways there's that sense of shedding something. So it's like shedding the old skin. And it makes me think of alchemy because in alchemy you're shedding a layer of something which reveals a... Um, it's not new in the sense that it wasn't there. It's just new perhaps to the sense of uh, consciousness or awareness of that level now being there. Um, but it's a more pure level. It's the next stage of evolution. Uh, so it, 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 it also doesn't mean that what falls away into the past doesn't have any value, which we heard in the astrology segment and talking about how there's a, a reevaluation, a reassessment of things going on uh, right now, and it's it's looking to the past and understanding what we can take from that that still has value. But especially with this card, I think it's how do we give new life to that? How do we find new ways of expressing that? Um, not just to recreate, not just to recapture, but to actually find some new essence, some new aspect to it, some new form for it to take rather than it just being or looking like how it was. Um, you know, it's like if, if your house gets knocked down in a storm, rather than just trying to rebuild the same house, think new and say, what would I like the house to be now? How would I like it configured differently? Where would I like the rooms? Maybe I want a different room that wasn't there, or I want a new floor plan. You know, we don't have to just... Um, uh, re recreate the same blueprint that was there before. And and I think that's what this card is asking us to do. I think it ties in nicely for what the astrological aspects going on are asking us to do. Um, you know, and so I think it's also interesting that the um, the image that is on this card is the scarab beetle. And the scarab beetle is really driven by looking up to the sun, um, looking up to the stars also. Uh, and so there's a sense of if we can keep our, eye off, keep our eye on the light, that will be the direction that really says this is the way to go. And I've often, as I mentioned earlier, I've, I've often described this period of time coming out of the Pluto-Uranus square as coming out of a tunnel and starting to move into the light. You know, there was a light at the end of the tunnel in the first few months of the year because we knew this was coming. Now we've come out of the end of the tunnel and we're starting to move into the light. So I think that this also, with the, the imagery of the scarab beetle, is very apropos uh, for this month. And allow this month to be that time when we catch our breath when we go through a bit of adjustment and get used to the light again. We don't have to be in a rush to try to do something or get something done. We just need to, um, uh, we can take our time. We don't want to neglect it, but we also want to be using this time to be pondering and visioning the new and looking at the future and considering how we're going to go about moving there and creating that rather than just um, crawling into bed <laughs> because we're so <laughs> tired and exhausted. 
um, we have this chance. This is a month where we start to feel this restoration of life, this sense of resurrection, um, this sense of coming back to in some way. So I think that that's going to be uh, very important to be consciously aware of, but also to uh, think in terms of uh, if, if, you know, it's like if I was getting ready to be born, how would I want my life to be? And if I don't want it to be the way my life was, what would that new life look like? And now I have the chance to start moving towards that, to start creating that, to start doing the things that would allow that to come into being and, and to actually happen. Um, I will also offer um, one thing that that this oracle offers for each card is um, they call it either an incantation or an affirmation um, or a, a mantra, if you want to call it that. So I will offer that to you, and you can use that perhaps whenever you need to feel you want to stimulate the energy of this restoration, this this resurrection, this phoenix energy. Um, you could also use it to charge something if you're magically inclined to charge an event or an action or something that you're doing um, in order to really infuse it with this idea of coming to life uh, and, and taking on a manifestation of its own. So that um, statement is life flows through me unobscured from past hurts I am now cured. I meet my life blossoming anew. My inner light shines bright and true. Isis, Isis, mother of divine perfection, through your grace I have resurrection. And there she's calling to Isis because this is the Isis oracle. So that is the card for the month from me. And we will hear momentarily what Charlie's card was. There was a, he was having a bit of a connection problem. So I'm just going to take a quick break, bring him back into the studio, and we'll see what card came up for him, as well as there's a couple people waiting for readings, and we are going to get to you momentarily as well. So stay tuned, and we will be right back.
listening to the Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist, with hosts High C and Charlie Harrington on Firefly Willows, L-I-V-E. And welcome back, and I do believe we have Charlie back as well. Are you there, Charlie Harrington? I am. My, my <laughs> message to the universe was just too powerful, and the world wasn't ready, so I'll have to share that That's some right. other time. <laughs> It will be known when those who are ready to know it, Mm. know it. So we do have some people waiting for readings, so we might as well just jump right in there for those, shall we? Can do. All right. So the first person we're going to go to is calling from area code 786. Are you there, caller from area code 786? Hello, caller. Area code 786. Are you there? Well, perhaps we will come back and see. Maybe uh, their message us... was very powerful. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we weren't ready. That is not for us to know either. Uh, perhaps we can go to area code 510. Are Hi. you there? Hello. Yes, hello. What's Hi. your name and where are you calling from? Tasha, calling from California. All right. Cool. Well, welcome to the show. What is it we can look at for you today? Uh, uh, love, love relationships. What's coming up for that? Cool. All right. Let's see. Is this regarding a current relationship, or are you wondering more whether there are relationships and love coming? Yes, what in relationship coming? Uh, okay. Cool. Okay. So let's take a look here. All right. So I've got a couple cards for the past, present, and future, and then one card that's like the advice card. So let's flip them over. Okay, it's been pretty quiet. You have the Two of Swords uh, in the past, and um, which just means stillness, waiting, waiting, waiting. Often the Two of Swords is just about a time for like waiting for someone to come along for more information. Um, and... So the Nine of Cups is the present, which is about focusing on yourself right now, focusing on you, enjoying you. But the very good news for you is uh, in your future, the Two of Cups, which is the love card of the tarot. It's like that, that sort of more than the lover's card. That means a lot of different sort of more esoteric things. But in your future, uh, so some, in 2015, if I had to put a... I'm not, I'm not Astro Berry, so I can't put the, uh, the the astrological information on it, but in, in 2015 there's love coming in and um, the card that represents what you need to do to attain this, the, to, to, to best uh, start this love relationship is the four of coins and what that represents is not settling for what's around you or for someone something from the past the four of coins. No, that's silly. that's the four of cups I'm going to. But like also it, it represents not settling. Like like making sure that you're only entertaining anyone, uh any any uh, any partner uh based on absolutely being sort of how you feel about them and how comfortable you are with them when you are in that place where you're kind of can be 
tough with other people in that way in relationships, you will avoid losers. Avoid, that's not a very kind thing to say, but avoid people who are not for your greatest and highest good. Avoid people. So the four of coins, sometimes people um, think of that card as being very self-involved and self-absorbed. But in this spread, in this reading, in a love reading, it's about being selfful, having self-respect. And it just represents not accepting um, anyone as a romantic partner who does not completely um, impress you and with their with 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 how they treat you does that make sense yeah that does okay because like maybe in the past sometimes there was accepting behavior from people that did not treat you very kindly and that is in the past that 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 kind of shenanigans no more and so this year and let me there is a relationship coming up. Let me give you one more card. That sounds kind of vague from a tarot reader. Like, there, there, there's a relationship this year. Let me tell you one thing about that person. Oh, okay. Um, they might be a little younger, and they're pretty bright. The, uh, the the Prince of Swords is who you got. And Princes of Swords are, they're very curious. They're very, they ask a lot of questions. They are, um, uh, they they're curious about the world. They sometimes are like the eternal student. They like to learn things. So, um and like I said, um just like physically probably a little younger um okay. than you, but that will be a good thing. So here's to you. So do you get the astrological sign that they should be? Um so high C is better that high C page of swords. I, I just identify that as being like a young curious type, but uh, what what do you see with the Page of Swords, I see, as far as astrology? Well, traditionally, Page of Swords, you could look at it two ways. Either it could represent an air sign, mm-hmm. which would be Gemini, Libra, or Aquarius. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at it more specifically, and Page of Swords represents Gemini. It's the youngest of the, the air signs. So... Um, and for me, what's interesting about that is a couple of things. Now, I'm going to say it must be the evening for this because two of the five cards that I've pulled are uh-huh. the same are are uh, the same as two of the cards that you had nice. <laughs> initially. Um, and then, and I could look to a third card because I have the Page of Wands. So the Two of Swords came up, the Nine of Cups came up, um, and then you had the Page of Swords. I have the Page of Wands, and um, one thing that tells me uh, is both with that page of swords coming up, but especially with the page of wands being here for me, was it seems as if summer is probably a very key time uh, for this uh, page of wands. It would that would push it right to the next fire sign, which actually would be Leo. So you might pay attention in um, July, August, because July is basically going to be Gemini time period. Um, this uh the next fire sign is going to be uh leo which is august so july august seems to be a very key time uh one thing i would say with that as well um one because the two of swords came up for both of us the two of swords may indicate that you either will be 
being courted by a couple of people, and you'll have a choice to make as to who you want to focus on. Uh, but the, the reversed chariot card is here. It just means that it came up upside down. And um, also in the summer, right in that time period in July and August, is Venus retrograde. And one of the aspects of Venus retrograde can be um, uh, relationships or people from the past reappearing in yeah, our life. I, I, I know somebody from the past that's younger than me, like 10 years, and he is a Gemini. Ah, wow. So sure. one thing I would say, have, have they? Uh, are you currently in contact or communication with them? Yes, this person. So I would say to, one, take it slowly. The reverse chariot card is encouraging us not to move too quickly. And you could start perhaps having conversations around whether you each feel ready to revisit this, et cetera. But if you are going to really go for it, if you're really thinking, let's try this again, I would actually probably wait until that July-August time frame to rekindle the relationship. So I wouldn't... I wouldn't I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really looking to rekindle that. Well, maybe use this time between now and then to just have some conversations and see how that feels, especially having conversations around um, previous issues and where uh -huh. each of you are now, how you've either grown or matured or where you each stand on some of those issues now, because maybe there are some things that have changed. If it's not that person, then I would still pay attention to that July-August time frame. Um, and it may it doesn't have to be somebody you were in relationship with previously. It could just be somebody that you've met before that you suddenly cross paths with again. So it's it's like you, you met this person at a party last November, and then all of a sudden you're someplace, and lo and behold, here is that person again. And you strike up the conversation and, you know, that kind of thing. So if nothing else, during that time frame in particular, pay attention to people that pop back up. Because okay. there may be um, there may be a reason for that, and it may be worth pursuing something or getting to know that person more. You know, maybe when you met them in November, you just happened to say hello and meet them at a party, but that was about the extent of it. This would be all of a sudden here they are again in another party or or whatever, and you would want to make a, an extra effort to maybe have more of a conversation and and see where things might go in that regard. Um, rather than just going, oh, hey, nice to see you again, but then not talk to them at all the rest of the time. Mm -hmm. So I pulled could it one be somebody more... from, like, school? Sure, school? because that Page of Swords especially would indicate that, uh, that, like Charlie was saying, that it can be the eternal student, but it could represent someone from a school setting or a, someone who is a student, or if you're a student, someone that you're interacting with that is from that kind of an environment. Like somebody that you went to school with. Mm. Oh, sure. Yeah, like the student. Okay. Sometimes that the, the page of swords is like the student card. Uh, I pulled one more card just to see like what other things I could tell you, and I got the nine okay. of of nine of coins. And my advice, like that, the two of cups makes things look very nice romantically. It seems very fun. Nine of pentacles or nine of coins tells me don't let them move in. <laughs> like don't don't share property. <laughs> In 2015, right? I mean, the nine, think, of, nine of coins, sorry. I was going to say, which I think goes back to that reverse chariot of take things slowly. 
yeah. trying to yeah. move too quickly, uh, you know, rushing into something or moving it along mm-hmm. to, to different stages too fast um, could end up being more detrimental and more of a downfall for it. Even when it has potential, we can squander the potential by try- by burning it out. Yeah, be more of a okay. Scarlet O'Hara. Keep the house. So. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right on. I hope that was so, helpful. So Two of Cups okay. is coming your way. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for calling in. You're welcome. All right. So just going to check in one more time just to make sure. Is our caller from area code 786 there by any chance? Yes. Hello? Oh, well, here you are. So here what's, I am. Your na- what's your name and where are you calling from? Tiffany. I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. All right. And what is it that we can look at for you today, Tiffany? Okay. Uh, I have a romantic interest, however, uh, someone not the type that I would normally date, and he also does not live near me. And don't really he doesn't really know of me so i'm kind of trying to think is this even a pipe dream to even think of possibly pursuing and if so what would be the best way to do that you know given there is a geographical issue mm-hmm. and all that I, ha- I have to apologize Tiffany i'm already taken oh i know you are you've married <laughs> There you go, breaking hearts again, I see. Let's see. Let's take a look here. Geographical issues are hard. But then again, people who live closer are kind of difficult, too. So That is true. Um, so, okay. Uh, I got... In the past, the King of Cups, and I see, I think that there's like, I can see there's a strong attraction to them emotionally, that they're they're very appealing, they seem compassionate, kind, nice. Um, but the present card is the Wheel of Fortune, and in this spread, sometimes the Wheel of Fortune is about bad timing. Like, uh-huh. um, it's just... Well, the Wheel of Fortune, it's just where you're at at this time, where, where you're, you're the, the Wheel of Fortune is sometimes forces out of our control. It's like, you know, the, the goddess Fortuna, like, turns the wheel, and we are not in charge of that process. And the future is not super bright for this one. It's the Five of Wands, which Ew. the Five of Wands is conflict. The, the Five of Wands is game playing. The Five of Wands is... Um, just people, it's not dangerous, it's not too upsetting, but it's just like the five of wands, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, fives are almost always pretty conflicty, and, and wands is kind of when people get kind of hot and bothered. So you put those two together, and the five of wands in this spread, um, it just looks like he seems really nice, the king of cups seems really like emotionally available, very open personality, but that being in the immediate future, I don't think that's something to pursue, and I pulled so the card that represents what should you do, what what um what is the card? And you got the seven of cups. The seven of cups is in this spread when it's a when it's a what to do card. It's choose something else. The the seven of cups is the um 
It represents that there are many, many, many choices out there for you, and the problem is picking just one or focusing on the one. So for this card to be here, it represents um, in this position, which is like, what do I do instead? It's it's uh, choose. You have other avenues that aren't being explored because of the focus on this one. So I'm going to pull another card just to kind of like, easy for the tarot reader to say choose something else and then leave it all up to you so I'm going to try one more card just to see what I can if I can help steer you in a different direction um, oh page of wands okay another page another young person I think that there is um, so you got that king of cups that seems really attractive but there's a page of wands a, a prince of wands who is young and fiery and sexy and um not not at the um probably like uh, often younger than you and probably uh very enthusiastic and raring to go and sometimes like people who are very enthusiastic aren't very attractive to us because they seem too attainable am i does uh-huh. that mean yeah but yeah. i think that there's uh-huh. someone else for you uh being that it's, it's the 7 of cups i feel like they like almost are like they're in your environment they're they are they're something that you could select right now and they uh would be a great choice for the time being to uh to uh explore but uh I'm going to turn to high C for the other half of this reading. <laughs> well, so Charlie's future card was the 5 of wands and mm-hmm. the the outlook or the direction of the relationship for the specifically for the relationship you asked about for the card that came up for me is the 5 of wands. <laughs> Once again, we have these repeating cards. Damn it, cards. there are 78 <laughs> cards in here, and we're not even in the same zip code. <laughs> it's true. Um, and so one thing that that tells me is that this is a relationship that would be fraught with struggle. And it may not be worth the struggle, worth the energy to to try to somehow bridge the distance and make it work, given the challenges of the, the physical distance that you have. Okay. Um okay. and you know the and I pulled a card for you and a card for the other person and the card for you is the reversed 3 of cups so I don't think that you're really going to ever feel very satisfied by this situation you're probably going to feel more frustrated and it's just going to be draining for you trying to make it work if you did and the reversed emperor card came up for the other person. So I don't know that a, I don't know that they're really looking. I don't know that they're really settled down or established in what they really want relationship-wise. But I also uh-huh. don't think that they're willing to take the responsibility for what it would entail to try to make a long-distance relationship work. So I would look at this and say it's not really worth the energy to try to make this happen. And I'm encouraged by that last card that Charlie pulled, which was the Page of Wands, because I think that that shows us, even with the Seven of Cups, because for me the Seven of Cups says go play the field a bit, and that Page of Wands uh-huh. says because there is something new for you, there's a new romance, there's something new for you um, to to discover, tap into, find. Um, so don't get too focused and caught up in looking at this one and trying to figure out how to make this work that you actually miss out on some of the other opportunities that may be right around you rather than a long ways away. Um, And like Charlie said, I don't think it's very 
far away from you. I don't, I, you know, it's right around you already. It's just when you start putting your attention and energy there, you'll probably come across it. Um, and again, that page of wands, I, I would look both the seven of cups uh, would probably say, well, if the future is for Charlie's card was the five of wands, which is the same as mine, that would be in the summer. Uh, the seven of cups would be the seventh month, which would be July. Um, Page of wands would also be in the summer. So I, I think that again, for you, and it kind of also corresponds to what we were seeing with the astrology information and in that we're in this kind of in between time. And then summer becomes more dynamic when things start happening and, and energy starts to really get moving. So I think summer is going to be very key for a lot of people to start to see some things happening and progressing and coming about um, that they are putting their energy towards or starting to focus on wanting or making happen. So I wouldn't put a lot of energy towards this one, and uh, but don't be dissuaded because I think there's plenty of other fish in the sea. There's plenty of other options right around you that are going to start popping up once you start putting your focus there. Okay. I, I guess I um, thank you, both of you. And I guess I started chuckling. Well, I didn't guess. I was chuckling at that five of wands because that's also a, a, a competition kind of card. And I laugh because he's a professional athlete. And he's about to go into the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so definitely like that the focus funny. there. Like sometimes that, that game playing or that the competitive nature. So he seems intense. He seems kind of like it would be fun, but I, I think the timing is off. And I would, I would, I would focus on the, the young, sexy page of wands. Okay, that works for me too. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank thank you, you both for your insight. Uh, good night, my time. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for calling okay. in. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. All right, so let's see. Let's go to area code 408. Are you there, caller from area code 408? Yes, can you hear me? I can. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, My name is Sheree, and I'm calling from San Jose. Well, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. What is it you would like for us to look at for you this evening? Well, I just realized that I saw you in Los Gatos, High C when I took the job that I just got laid off from, and that was back in 2010. And you gave me encouragement to take the job, just do it, go for it. I wasn't sure whether it was the right thing, so I did it, and it lasted me four and a half years. So that was really good, and in a time that I needed some stability So now, um, given what you've already discussed in terms of what's going on on the planets, um, I am feeling that that shift occurring where the old is coming back and now um, I'm looking for opportunities with my skill set. However, I'm not sure, um, given my financial situation, I'm feeling more anxious to just take whatever is available to me um, rather than waiting. And so I wondered if um, things were going to get clear for me or it's going to be clear that if I take something it's going to be okay and it's going to work out or uh, what, because I'm just kind of 
trying to see what's on the horizon here. So is there a choice between something sort of immediate and that you that you're you're thinking of or uh, and the possibility of something else or is there not really something that you're yeah, there the isn't moment. any there isn't anything okay. available at the moment. Um but I'm just getting the recruiters together and just getting my resume um online and things are starting to starting to happen. I've looked out there and I don't see a lot that I'm directly um skilled for. Mm-hmm. Um so this is the other thing I'm kind of concerned mm-hmm. about that this might be a longer journey than shorter. Could I ask the day and month of your birth? Yeah, two twenty-four, February twenty-fourth. Okay. Well, happy recent birthday. Thank you. <laughs> okay. So, in your past, I have the three of coins, and that was collaborating with a team and having sort of like blending your like the three of coins is often like we blend our best skills with other people's best skills. In, at, at a job, and we sort of it, it's sort of team based and working with others. And the switch is that now you're the Knight of Cups, which mm. knights go out and they take risks and they are the lone wolf sometimes. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm wondering. Hmm, that's what it feels like. Yeah, it that's not it. That's a temporary situation. Um, the Good. future is. The um, Seven of Cups, which is interesting. Earlier, we, the other caller, uh, the Seven of Cups is the card of of making uh, a choice. So there will be... Um, the, the Seven of Cups doesn't come up when there's only one opportunity for us. So the Seven of Cups is when we have to decide what direction we want to be pulled in. So, um, the, so the, the, the predictive, sort of like answering the question part is the... Um, y- yes, this year, to me, it looks like you'll um, be able to choose what you want to do next in your career. The sort of um, the, the, the style of the tarot that's more introspective is that between now and then, the Knight of Cups is your time to rebrand yourself mm-hmm. um, and rethink yourself. I know you mentioned just a moment ago when you are asking the question, you sort of said that you looked at what's available and it doesn't really match with yeah. um, with what you have at the moment. So the Knight of Cups is uh it's the time when it's like so this is like this is the period of time basically for you to try something different or to uh to experience something different. Um mm-hmm. and so but what, right? I mean so yeah. we have the uh it's interesting, you have the five of pentacles, which um now, in most decks, it's very bleak. I'm reading with the Arcus Arcana, and it is not a bleak Five of Pentacles. But the Five of Pentacles represents sometimes we feel like we're a have-not in a world of haves. And it's often, fives, again, are very challenging. Like, this is a challenging time period. And um, in this deck, the Five of Pentacles or Five of Coins suggests um, kind of if you can't beat them, join them. And I'm wondering if there's an opportunity for you to move into a position that you previously didn't feel qualified or ready for, like if it's a kind of management Mm -hmm. or um, 
a position that previously was sort of felt like it was um, just not something that was being ma- made available to you. I don't know. I don't know if that sounds too vague. No, actually, that does resonate. Okay. And so, <coughs> excuse me. Um, my suggestion right now is that for this, oh, this period of time that you're in right now, so this is a temporary period of time that the Knight of Cups to sort of um, decide what it is you have the opportunity to change or rethink about your resume or where you're selling yourself a little bit short. And then I'm going to pull one last card because I love to do that. Okay. Um, To look at that choice and just kind of see a little bit um, what um, we can learn about that choice. And... The Nine of Wands is what showed up. And sometimes the Nine of Wands is feeling like we have to work to make ourselves heard, um, Mm. to make ourselves seen. So um, I'm sure you're already on LinkedIn, and I'm I'm sure that's all up to date. But um, I wonder if there are actual... And sometimes I find these a little bit dubious, but with this reading, I think it it might be indicated... uh, you know, sometimes there's, there's like the the marketing, like or networking affiliations and networking groups and professional networking groups, and sometimes it feels like all those do is exist or exist is to make money for networking affiliations mm-hmm. and groups. Mm-hmm. And um, but I think that with the nine of wands in your present, I think uh, sorry, in that sort of future choice, my recommendation would be um to explore these groups that you have not taken part in before or 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 professional organizations you've not taken part in before does that resonate yeah somewhat and in fact mm-hmm. uh that was a thought that i had is am i doing enough right to mm-hmm. to get my you know my resume out there or get word or connect with cuz i have made connections with old colleagues it's interesting Mm -hmm. um because of my age there many of them were older than me when we worked together so many of them are retired now Mm -hmm. or have been in their careers for a really long time and uh work in stable organizations where they they're not hiring um you know they're not growing fast and they're not hiring people so they're they're that network is not really available to me i'm planning with the nine of nine of wands here i'd say that your message isn't being heard. You're not being seen yet, okay. and you need a signal boost. Yep. So uh, that can begin with, I mean, the the traditional now, not traditional. The new signal boost is Twitter. Um, I don't know who. I don't have any knowledge of where on Twitter that would be a fit for your particular situation. But okay. um, it's time for new alliances. Yeah, that's what I've been feeling too. Okay. And then, I see what do you got for us? Um, so, well, first of all, what kind of work do you do and what kind of work are you looking for? Um, I'm in high tech, and I have, um, gosh, 30 years now of um, senior support type technology support experience, both management as well as individual contributor project management. And so... Um, Having worked my resume over pretty thoroughly and detailed even up through today, I've been working on it for the last week, and uh, um, 
I was looking for, um, I was being open again to managing where I hadn't been in the past. And so I was feeling open to that and exploring that again. Um, I'm finding, though, that at least from what I'm finding online, that the positions are requiring more technical skills than either I desire and or have. Um, so I'm kind of in this, I'm not sure where this is going to go yet. All right. So first thing I'll tell you based on your birth date is you're in a seven year, which corresponds to the chariot card. And okay. seven, um, you know, one thing about a seven is it says, stop for a moment, step back, take a look at the big picture. Am I still on track going towards the yeah. direction or goal that I want to be headed in? Or is it time for some sort of a, a shift or a change in terms of the the path that I'm uh, following? And yeah. uh, two, it's a number of commitment, especially commitment, things, obligations and responsibilities that we commit to as well as where we commit our energy. So it's a year to really be conscientious about what you commit to and don't commit to things that are going to feel draining or that are going to exhaust you, but instead commit to things that feel, A, in alignment with you, but also feel as if they energize you, excite you, challenge you, and really want to make you get out of bed and be going in the day um, in them. Um, yeah. And the the chariot card, actually, this is a great year for you to be making this kind of a move with a chariot year. So it's really good that even though you didn't set it in motion necessarily, that it's yep. a really good time to be doing this. And yeah, it says if we are committed to the direction we're going and we make the choice that is best for us rather than easiest for us, then we are likely to move in the most successful direction or, or end up in the most rewarding destination. Um I would say, now, once again, one of the cards that came up for me was the Nine of Wands reversed, a card that came up for Charlie. It's just a theme for the evening, apparently. Wow. <laughs> um, so uh, the the first three cards that I always look at for this kind of question just give a sense of, okay, what does the current situation look like? And then I'll get to the outcome ones in a second. Um, okay. But there's a lot here about, one, taking your time to find the right thing. So mm -hmm. how long would you feel comfortable for this process to take? I would say uh, through the end of May at the latest. Okay. So just so, uh, two months. So if, if that's the case, this, these cards can also be suggesting that you maybe just take something so that you have that financial income, yeah. but don't don't wedge yourself to it. You know, don't feel obligated to it and don't overcommit to it. And whether that's a contract position so that mm. you have the freedom sure. to get in and out of something rather than looking just for full-time positions, uh, whether that's a part-time position so at least you have some income that helps you to extend the time period that you can take to find the right thing, or it's going into something, but if you find the right thing three months later, you aren't afraid to just leave rather yeah. than feeling as if that's where that five of pentacles concerned me that came up for Charlie is because uh, sometimes five of pentacles can be codependency and that we suddenly mm. feel obligated to stay there. Yeah. It's like, well, but I just signed the contract two months ago. I can't just leave now, you know, or whatever. Yeah. It, it's like, 
don't be afraid to do that. You don't have to tell them you're going to do that. You don't have to think in that way necessarily. But Mm -hmm. don't stop looking for the right thing if you just take something because you need the income, but it doesn't feel like the right fit or where you'd really want to be. Um, So don't settle uh, and and don't become complacent just because you find something doesn't mean we stop looking. Now, one, I will say, this is going to go into a little bit of astrology. Um, One, I will say... uh, Efforts and actions that you put forth during the week of April 22nd through the 26th, we okay. could just say the 20th, because I know that 20th is a Monday, so maybe it just makes it easier to think in that way. Um, sure. But uh, during that week's time, there's going to be a, well, there's a, a trine, let's not worry about the specifics, um, but that's a very good week uh, for what we put forth seeds that we plant, efforts that we put into something, steps that we take to progress something, whether new or already existing, um, are likely to really take root and are really able to start growing and becoming something solid and real. So really focus on having your resume together and it, things that maybe you're going to do, like Charlie was suggesting for you know, boosting your signal, like if you're going to mm-hmm. sign up for a Twitter account and all of that, make sure that you're getting all of that out there and started and, and making it real, manifesting it in the world during that mm-hmm. time period. Because doing okay. so is going to really end up uh, cultivating something very uh, worthwhile. Uh, secondly, I would say that... Um, June, July seems to be key here, uh, and that's because the for me the short term card that came up was the Ten of Cups, which is a really nice card to see because it says we're likely to be really happy or satisfied within about three months' time. Now I would Perfect. look at that as about three months' time from when you start the process. So if you're just okay. starting it now, or if you're counting next week when you start sending out everything. Um, I would go from that time period. I wouldn't go from just the day you got laid off, but okay. go from the the time that you start this process and feel as if this is when I really kicked off my search or when I re, you know really started doing this. Within three months' time, it seems as if you'll probably end up being very happy with what happens. Uh, but the tenth the the ten of cups represents the tenth week of spring, and the tenth week of spring is early. July, uh, sorry, early June. Um, okay. If, if we think of spring starting with the spring equinox, so March 20th, sure. we go March 20th to April 20th to May 20th to basically the early part of June is about the 10 week mark. So that seems to be when things start to really flow and when we start to feel as if we're really happy with what's coming up, what's starting to happen. That Seven of Cups was really nice to hear from Charlie because it seems as if we're going to have some different options or different choices in front of us that are all good. Um, oh, great. And and the Seven of Cups, uh, well, Seven of Cups could be the seventh week of spring as well, and the seventh week of spring we're actually coming up on, and so that's why we're coming into that really good period for starting to really get things out there to, to fertilize the ground, if you want to think of it. Cups oh, can be about fertility. That makes sense. Um, and the the chariot card comes up for kind of the big picture, the long-term outlook. So, A, that's a really nice card to see because it does show us being able to make progress. It also often indicates things happening very quickly. So I don't think it'll take a long time to do this. For me, the oh, chariot good. card corresponds to Leo, which would be mainly August. I mean, you could say July 20th 
the sure. last part of July. But mainly August seems as if we're really we're on the road. We're 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 you know driving in whatever it is that we're headed towards or, or getting to next. Um, so that gives okay. us a nice time period. It's really not that long. I know it's a little longer than what you said you feel comfortable with, but that's why I would go back to even if it means you take something that isn't quite right for you, that's okay yeah. as long as you simply see it as a means to an end and you don't stop your process and become complacent just because you found something and they're settling rather than you continue your process and then aren't okay. afraid to just leave it even if you've been there short term. Um, now. Good. The chariot card could indicate something that's, that actually involves travel. So it may be something where either you're moving from office to office uh, or even if you decided to ultimately become like a contractor, freelancer kind of person, so it's not just I'm settled into one place that I'm working, but I go from place to place, um, at, you know, contract to contract, or I'm, I'm working with multiple places at once, so on Monday I'm over there, on Tuesday I'm over there kind of thing, uh, could mm-hmm. also mean that it's a job that actually involves travel. So I would also pay attention to that where they say, well, yes, would you be okay with traveling, meaning going to their office here or going to the office there, you know, or whatever. Uh, And there I mean more long distance kind of travel. Um, Hmm. So I think that that may be a component that is something to pay attention to and may also ultimately be a part of whatever it is that you're doing. Um, And the Ten of Cups being there too, as well as the other cards. So the other cards that came up were the Ace of Pentacles reversed, the Nine of Wands reversed, and the Wheel card reversed. And so there's something changing. We're not doing the same thing. And I think, and Ten of Cups is actually a card of marriage a lot of times. So, and Cups is very different. Like for high tech, I often look at swords, maybe mainly swords as kind of representing that field. And the fact Mm. that it's Ten of Cups may be that there is a shift away from from an overly high tech focus. Thank God. (laughs) So that you're marrying the experience you have with something else that can benefit from it or from the connections and understanding you have of that world that can benefit them in their industry, in their world in some way. Now, cups could get into the medical field kind of thing. My first thought when I saw that was maybe even looking at things like nonprofits or places that um, somehow work with or take advantage of the tech industry, not in a bad way, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but 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 can, you know, having the connections or working with tech companies could be really beneficial for the kind of thing they're trying to do. It would be like a, a an organization that's trying to provide water to places in Africa, but being able to have connections and work with a tech company that has the technology that could help to make that easier or more efficient or more uh, more economically uh, viable or something that they don't have in terms of the connections and understanding maybe something that you're really able to bring to it. So just pay attention to those opportunities and think okay. about that. Um, are you thinking of working with a recruiter? Yes, actually I have two lined up. I met with one yesterday and I'm meeting with another one tomorrow. And the one tomorrow, um, historically, I worked with her 20-some-odd years ago and um, so we're good friends, and she um, uh, she often places people in, in short-term situations as well. So she might be able to help out with that. Yeah, I, as you said that, I just pulled cards for each of them. Uh, and I think yeah. that the, the, the one you're meeting tomorrow, the, the second one that you mentioned, 
um, yeah. I think is going to be more beneficial for you. That's um, how I feel too. The first one so far has not turned out to be too impressive. Yeah, because for me, the, the Princess of Swords came up reversed, so I don't know that they really have the expertise uh, or yep. the experience or the knowledge and connections. They, they're still growing in it or, or something, but I don't know that, that it's necessarily the best fit for what you are looking for. But the reason I asked the question about a yeah. recruiter is simply because when you're talking to them about what you're looking for, don't yeah. Don't frame it just in the context of high tech. Talk about how you would like to take what you've learned and the experience you have from high tech, but apply it to some other fields or some other things so that they don't yeah. get stuck in their way of thinking of what you're wanting or thinking about who you are when they're looking for things versus their thinking broader, which goes back to that seven of cups that Charlie had. So they're looking at a variety of options that allow you to Again, I always use the phrase for that card, play the field, that allow you to kind yeah. of play the field of some different ideas and considerations rather than just focusing in too narrowly, um, yeah. which would be the five of Good pentacles suggestion. of getting a little too stuck in what we're used to, uh, thinking we have to stay with that rather than expanding our horizons. Yeah, and the, and the sticking with what I I am used to is uh, deflating the energy for sure um, so that's why I've been kind of like ugh not so looking forward to the to the journey but I knew something was going to work out so this was very timely thank you it's very very helpful so All right. I well thank you for your time and uh, wow it's already already late in the evening so I will let you go. Thank you so much. Okay. Well, thank you for calling in, and, and good luck. Keep us apprised of the situation. Okay. Will do. <laughs> All Thanks right. again. <laughs> Bye-bye. Right. Bye. Okay. Still with us, Charlie? I am. How are we doing? Good, good. So there is one more person who has waited ever so patiently. All right. Hopefully you're still there. So let us see... If someone calling from area code 732, are you still with us? Yes, I am. How are you? I am good. What's your name and where are you calling from? I'm Kimberly, and I'm calling from Jersey. All right. right. Welcome to the show. What is it that you'd like for us to look at for you this evening? Well, I would just like the cards to just do the talking. That's it. Okay, let's see. Let's see here. Oops. One more. What's the day and month of your birth? 6-27. All right. And one more card. All right, there we are. Perfect. So... Interesting. Okay, so it's a general reading, so it's it's kind of it's for you to fill in the de- the blanks where we're missing things. But um, in your past, I have the wheel, which represents the sort of like the wheel of fortune. So it looks like a major phase of your life has ended for you, like you've had a big transition, and that you are moving into something new. Um, 
And as a matter of fact, what you're moving into, does it, well, the eight of coins reversed and um, the big trend. So for that to be there, it looks like you are, um, the eight of coins normally is this card of the student, the the card of the, the learner. And it looks like you are ready to no longer be waiting and putting yourself on hold and the big transition is that you are ready to be the master, the uh, as opposed to the student. Um, does that resonate so far? Yes, it does, because I'm finishing up um, my degree this year. Okay, that's I, going well. You know, started my business like about two years ago, so I'm mm-hmm. seeing it to be more fruitful now. Mm-hmm. The business. Um, so in your future, we have the nine of... Um, coins reversed, and so for for a personal business, that might mean um, needing a little help. So often, like the nine of coins is about like completely being you, you know completely on your own, self made, and the nine of coins when it's reversed, it's kind of suggesting that you might need to collaborate with some others on that, on just on the on the business side of things. Um, and the two of wands reversed is interesting. Um, so the two of wands reversed is what came up in the what do I do right now? And um, so one question, uh, sometimes the two of wands, when it's normally on its upright, indicates thinking about a move, like a physical move. Is there any, have you been thinking about that at all? Uh, well, I've been thinking about a relationship that I am with. I'm going to continue to go forward or let it go. Let it go? Two of Wands reversed. Hang on one second. Let me get one more card for that particular aspect of it. Um, normally, the Two of Wands is the uh, well. Hang on. Let's see. Ace of Discs. Um, I'm gonna. I'd say give that one a little more time because uh, the Two of Wands, when it's when it's upright, is all about like leaving, mo- moving out, getting away, getting away from something, and with it reversed like that, it might it represents that it's there's a little bit more time in this one, and I, so I pulled one more card for that specifically, and I got the reverse ace of this uh, of uh, coins basically, and for that a lot of reversals here, a lot of a lot of retrograde, um, and what that indicates is that starting something new right now might be kind of that would be a lot of newness, that would be a lot of a lot to take on at the moment, and so actually I'm leaning towards giving that one a bit more time. But I defer to High C on that. What, what, what are you seeing over there, High C? Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. I need a better segue. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, so the first thing I would say is, because I the reason I asked the, the birthday is to calculate a year number and a year card. And... Um, I would say if I so you're in a numerologically you're in a four year and as of so when I say year it's birthday to birthday so you're in a four year up until your birthday and and then you will change on your birthday into a five year um, and if I was going to apply that to what Charlie said I would say if you are going to give something a little more time we're probably not giving it more time past your birthday because four is a number of letting things ride for the moment just letting them coast. 
Five is a number of change, especially in our external world. So that's when we either want to start implementing the changes we've seen that need to happen, or we will start to experience changes and we don't want to try to stop or get in the way of that, recognizing it needs to happen, even if it's not pleasant or comfortable. Um, and you're in a, in terms of the cards that represent the years, this year is represented by the death card. Don't panic. <laughs> um, and that's a card that's all about letting go, all about endings, all about shedding the old in order for the new, for, for a transformation process to take place and the new to start to emerge. So be willing to recognize anything that no longer has any life left in it and needs to be allowed to rest in peace and put behind us so that we open up the space and allow for the new to be able to come in. Because you will be going into a temperance year, which is a really nice year because, A, it says things start to come together. It seems as if things start to flow more easily and things start to fall into place or things. I would think of this card like a recipe. It's like we've, we discover the magic proportion of things and everything seems to suddenly just fit and seems to work together in some way. Um, that's what we'll start to experience as you move into the next year after your birthday. Um, it, it also, the temperance card is a time when it says, now we are ready to start stepping into whatever is next or whatever is new. But we don't do so by diving into it full force. We simply wade into it gently, one step at a time, and allow ourselves to take one step, get used to the temperature, take the next step, get used to the temperature. So there's there's some interesting things coming, some some uh, a sense that things are going to start flowing and also kind of falling into place a bit, um, or starting to really work together harmoniously. Uh, and you don't want to get overly exuberant with that um, and, and, and start moving too fast, but you do want to take advantage of it by moving it forward ever so gently, one step at a time. Um, this is also reiterated by the card that came up. Um, I pulled two different cards. One I pulled from Tarot, the other one I pulled from the Isis Oracle. And so the card from the Tarot that came up is the Four of Swords. And Four of Swords says, Let's not be in any sort of a rush to take action. Instead, let's take our time to process and to think things through. If you want a, a phrase to go with this, right now what we're in is a time that says, let me sleep on it. So we don't need to make an immediate decision. We don't need to be pressured into giving an answer right away. Um, sometimes this is a card of postponement or delay, so it is okay to put some things off or to postpone or delay doing something so we have a little more time to plan, to make sure a good plan is in place, to investigate or research so we have all the information that we need rather than operating or moving forward with less than complete information or understanding. Um, right. And it also is a card about taking a break, taking a vacation, taking a respite. So I think with everything that's going on, you know, take a little break to celebrate. Didn't you say you're finishing your law degree? Yeah, I'm, well, I'm finishing school, my degree, yeah. college. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. So, so take a moment to stop and breathe and enjoy and celebrate what it is that you've finished and accomplished before jumping right into the next thing. Okay. Um, and, you know, it doesn't have to be long necessarily, but 
but take that time to catch your breath, to, to take an assessment, to let everything kind of sink in so that you can look at it and say, okay, now I'm very clear and have a very, very good understanding of what step to take next, of what direction I want to go, of having that sense of focus and purpose so that we are able to execute it cleanly and efficiently rather than haphazardly. Um, and the card that came up from the Isis Oracle is called the Temple of, La of Lapis Lazuli. So one thing I would say there is go and get a stone of Lapis Lazuli for you to carry with you or to meditate with or if you do other kind of work to work with. Um, are you familiar with Lapis? No, not that particular stone, but I do have eaten a lot of stones. I could very so well have that stone. But so lap lapis is a really dark blue stone with gold flecks in it. Okay. Okay, um, I will try to remember that lapis. Okay. And the, the reason why this card is coming up is because it's, it's here to remind you that you actually possess some amazing wisdom and understanding deep within you that you want to make sure you're taking the time and allowing the space to be heard and to connect with, which is why that Four of Swords would come up. It's taking time to stop, be still, be quiet, whether it's meditation, whether it's going on a little trip, whether, and it could be a long trip or a short trip. It could be a day, it could be a weekend, it could be for two weeks. But going someplace where you're in stillness and you're able to reconnect with and hear that wisdom and understanding that you carry within you that maybe you've either forgotten you have, doubted that you have, or have never had a conscious awareness that you have, but it's now ready to come up and make itself known. Um, it's and and this is a card because you also said you've started your own business, correct? Yes. Yes. So this is also a card that comes up that says, "Remember who you are, and stay true and authentic to who you are. Don't try to fit into or follow or copy external models." that say this is how you're supposed to be, this is what you're supposed to do, this is what was successful for me, so surely that's the way you should do it too. This is reminding you to do it in your way that you know is best for you, that stays true to who you are. So don't lose yourself in okay. the way you do things or the decisions you make or the direction that you take something. Um, make sure whatever you do is aligned with your 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 soul with your spiritual truth. And the only way you can do that is if you're giving time and space for that spiritual truth to actually be heard rather than drowned out by all of the the noise that that we experience day to day. Um you know, I, one of the, the lapis was actually one of the stones that was in the the breastplates of the high priests. And so, you know, high priests spent a lot of time in contemplation and uh, in meditation. And this is what it's reminding you is really important, is take the time for doing that so that you're 
very, very carefully and conscientiously making your decisions and knowing exactly what step you're taking and why you're taking it. What's the intention behind every step, every action, every decision? Um, you, you would be able to answer that and know that. And it's not like like the store where I work. You know, people will come in and they will be getting a stone, like say a crystal for something or an oil for something or an incense for something. And they'll be getting it because somebody else told them that's what they should get. And right. I will say, well, why don't you go walk around and see if something else blinks at you? You know, why why would you why do you think that you're going to use that color of candle? Well, I don't know, that's what somebody told me to do. Well, that's following an external model rather than having the understanding of why. What's my intention behind it and what's the purpose I'm choosing to use that? It may make sense to use that color, but it may make sense to use a different color if they stop and think about it for themselves. Yes. And that's what we're asking you to do is to be very intentional and very conscientious in every decision and action and step forward that you decide to make, the, the path you decide to follow, the direction you decide to go fini after finishing school, the way you decide to go about building your business, etc. Um, and some of the things that your internal guidance, that intuition may give you, may not make sense logically in our head. But we don't want to get stuck in that. We want to accept it may not make sense. And it may not make sense to anybody else. It may make perfect sense to you. But you you tell somebody else that you're doing something like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would you do it that way? Right, right. And what you would say is because this is what I'm being led to do. This is what my, my own instinct, inner voice, intuition, gut is telling me is the right thing to do. So don't don't let that logic process get in the way and drowned out that intuitive knowing that you carry within you. Um, and the last thing I'll offer you is the, um, the herbal ally, because I've given you the crystal, which is the lapis lazuli. And that's the ally that will work with you uh, to support you energetically and, and stimulate and infuse the right kind of energy for you at this time. And the herbal ally similarly is from the plant world that has the energy that would be uh, most beneficial for you. And so what I did is I um, am giving you the herbal ally that corresponds to your year card, but I'm looking at the one, and, and you can tell me if you want the other one too, but I'm looking at the one that is for the year you will go into on your birthday. So it'll go from your birthday through next year of your birthday. And this is for your temperance year for that five year. And for that year, it's echinacea. Um, and echinacea is considered an herb of fortification. So it's something that you can use to feel stronger, to feel more fortified, and to feel more um, prepared and able to take on and withstand whatever is before you in whatever direction that you're going to go. Uh, you know, we use echinacea to build up our immune system. And so using echinacea energetically is there to help protect us from outside or external forces that may not be healthy for us or right for right. us. And so it'll help you to stay strong in staying true to who you are 
and to not feel uh, bombarded by or overly influenced or coerced by um, external forces, like we were talking about not following external models versus staying true to yourself. Echinacea will help you energetically to stay true to yourself and to feel strong in that and to, to be immune to the influence of outside forces that could be less than healthy or beneficial for you. Temple of Lapis Lazuli card, it says, we only do things that make us feel as if they expand our heart. Right. So anything that feels constrictive or anything that feels as if it goes against my heart, then those are the things that we either don't want to do or that right. we need to release and let go of or that we need to move away from and not be surrounded by or influenced and affected by any longer. Okay, well, this has been very enlightening, and I thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm going to get that stone, that lapidus, and the echinacea. All right, excellent. Well, thank you very much for calling in and for your patience waiting for us to, to get to you. Oh, sure. I was listening to everybody else. Oh, yes, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, and you have a blessed night. Thank you. Okay. You too. <laughs> it's still night for me because I'm in California and Charlie too. Uh, so. <laughs> okay. But yes, have an amazing and stupendous day. Okay, you too. All right, bye bye. Bye bye. And so it is, Charlie. We come to the yes. conclusion once again of another episode of the Amethyst <laughs> Oracle. Oracle, 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 Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a fabulous month, High C, and I'll try and to I, do the same. Yes, and I will just remind people that if you would like to visit and like our Facebook page, we welcome you to do so, facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. Uh, we're always happy to see you there and hear from you if you have any questions, comments, or contributions from whatever you've heard here on the show. Uh, you can also contact Charlie or myself if you are interested in a private reading with one of us. Uh, you can contact me, uh, Hi C, um, by emailing me, Hi C at tarotbyhighc.net. Uh, you can also visit my website, tarotbyhighc.net. If you'd like to, from there, you can subscribe to my newsletter. I send out a daily uh, newsletter that has both astrological information as well as a card of the day. Um, uh, for each day to just use to to set the tone and say, okay, here's the energies I'm working with. How can I best do that? Uh, so feel free to visit the website, tarotbyhighc.net, or email me, highc at tarotbyhighc.net. And if you would like to contact Charlie Harrington for a reading uh, or to ask, you know, 
personal and completely inappropriate <laughs> question. Uh, how could they contact you, Charlie? Send a note to I just I just created a new uh, tarot reading email address. Uh, tarot by Charles at gmail dot com. Excellent. Woo-hoo. So, so thank you, Charlie, for being here once again. It's been a real life. Thank you to everyone for listening and to our guest this evening, Astroberry from astroberry.com. And we will look forward to seeing you, or well, seeing you, I use quotes, I suppose, around that, mm-hmm. to, to, to being with you again a month from now. We are on the second Tuesday of every month, and we will look forward to uh, having you join us here again on the Amethyst Oracle in May. Our, our show will air on May 12th. Tuesday, May 12th, 8 p.m. Pacific. So until then, may blessings surprise you around every corner. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination with a queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. This program was brought to you by Firefly Willows L-I-V-E. We hope you enjoyed the show. This is Deb Caracella. Please join us next time on Firefly Willows L-I-V-E for Evolve with Robin White Turtle Lizney. Thursday afternoon at 2 p.m.